Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Five Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. And around to Neighbors. That's a crease. Malik Neighbors down the sideline. Stays in bounds with a cutback. House call. Another LSU touchdown. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Millen, ball comes loose, and it's going to be an incomplete pass. No, it's not whistle dead. It's still alive. going to waltz into the end zone for touchdown. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Texas brings pressure. Duggan backpedals, lost to the end zone, wide open, Johnson, touchdown. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Pokey Wilson in motion. It's Benson. Benson, his second touchdown tonight. 15 yards for Trey Benson. Now here's David Smoke and Craig Smoke. Well... First of all, I want to start with, I did get a text this afternoon from Paxton. Our friend Perrington was just devastated last night with that tornado that hit the town, and Paxton texted me earlier. Paxton, thank you for that. Glad you're okay. Wishing everybody that got hammered by the tornadoes and high winds and terrible weather the best of luck in the recovery. Meanwhile, there is news on San Diego State, but what is the news? Pete Thamel, a little bit ago, 
with a tweet that's saying that San Diego State is basically uh, all but telling the Mountain West Conference that they are going to resign from the conference, but they want the conference to give them a deadline, uh, excuse me, give them an extension on when they can leave, uh, maybe a couple of weeks or so after what needs to be June 30th, so that their payment won't be $17 million, uh, or won't be $34 million, but maybe $16 or $17 million. So we'll have a writer from the San Diego Tribune, uh, Union Tribune at 530, spoke with uh, a couple of people in San Diego, and they're like, man, Craig, it's like, okay, here's what I want to do. I, I want to be able to leave, but I instead of paying the full amount, I want you to give me an extension. We're going to leave, but I want to pay half the price. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of what it is. Uh, it's a weird deal that uh, clearly didn't go the way that San Diego State officials had planned it to when they originally sent a letter that, yes, uh, was basically asking for an extension uh, past the end of June that would uh, allow them to, I guess, have some time to totally figure out what's going to happen here, uh, and therefore they would not have a double buyout payment that they would have to deliver. It also wouldn't put some of the uh, other money that they've earned from the conference mm-hmm. in limbo. And so that's very important. I mean, $34 million versus $17 million, um, you know, possible millions of dollars uh, that had been earned previously that wouldn't be coming your way. I mean, that's, that's not something that, you know, an athletic department uh, in most areas would be able to uh, just, you know, just, okay, yeah, y- y'all have all that, and we're not going to worry. We'll pay 34 too. Is you know, I mean, clearly that's, right. that's not something that they are looking to do or that most schools would be looking to do. So, yeah, it sounds as though they were trying to find a way around that and let it be known, like, hey, there's a good chance we're leaving, but we can't just yet. There's some other things to figure out. But if we were to leave, is there any way that we could – agree on some things you know and and make this uh, a, a easier transition for us for us basically uh but i'm sure they you know tried to spin it as it being the best for both parties and to the mountain west credit mountain west apparently is like uh, absolutely not <laughs> you absolutely are not going to be able to do that and so they took that original letter that was asking for an extension as though it was an official declaration that they were going to, in fact, be leaving the conference, and they moved on San Diego State as though San Diego State was officially leaving the conference. San Diego State had to say, wait a second, we're not official. That was not, that letter didn't say that. That letter was just asking questions Mm -hmm. and suggesting some things, and that wasn't us saying that we are leaving or that it's, it's right now, and the Mountain West, uh, you know, meanwhile, seems like they're kind of adamant about their, you know, stance that, okay, you told us you're leaving and we're going to act as though you are. And San Diego State's now trying to scramble and say, no, 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 not just yet, but very clearly uh, miscalculated here. Because whether that original letter was just exploratory or not, uh, they kind of just tipped off their move and, and let it be known. And so now instead of it just being an ex- you know, an investigation type of email or an exploratory type of email, just asking questions, a little back and forth. Um, Instead, you know, they basically are now being looked at as a team that's about to move and and being treated as such. Yeah, but I don't think they knew that this was going to pop to that this story would get out. Somebody obviously floated this, and it wouldn't be San Diego State. You would think it was probably somebody involved uh, in the Mountain West Conference. Here's a couple of notes from Ross Dellinger. He was on with us yesterday Uh, They're asking again to extend the deadline through July 
and reduce the exit money. In other words, they want your cake, they want the cake and eat it too. Now, I'm not hammering on San Diego State. They're trying to do what's best for them, like others who have left conferences are as well. Extend the exit fee pay schedule. Uh, Mountain West sent them a letter back accepting the withdrawal. And then uh, the source saying it's not a withdrawal, informing the school it will withhold, as you said, Craig, it's this year's distribution. At issue is that June 30th deadline. Otherwise, San Diego State, if they leave after that, will have to pay $34 million. San Diego State then sent a third letter in exchange clarifying the original letter was not an official withdrawal, that it would be like uh, the league uh, like the league to uh, withhold this year's distribution, not withhold it, and also answer three questions before June 30th. The Mountain West, will they grant San Diego State's request? I cannot imagine that they would let both happen. Well, San Diego State wants to leave. That's fine, whenever the date might be, but whatever the date is will affect how much they have to pay. Yes, Oklahoma and Texas uh, thought maybe they could leave earlier. Thought they wouldn't have to pay much. They each ended up paying, what was it, $80 million or $100 million apiece. Um, a note from Ross Dellinger. No school receives an invite to a conference until that school joins that conference, just like no coach ever in history of sports receives an offer of a job unless he's accepted the job. Um, so the San Diego State letter, um, th- there you go. And, and does this kickstart something? Maybe it kickstarts San Diego State being in a Power 5 conference very soon, but yet there's even confusion here. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a little bit to sort through. Um, you know, clearly they were just trying to. Uh, Man, we're doing a talk show. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, we're on the we're on TV right now. Okay, okay I'm sorry. This That's isn't okay. An office. So, it's so not sweet. Um, so yeah, um, we uh, where were we here? Well, we we're in the middle of the show. <laughs> okay. Um, so not so they yeah they're not going to get to eat the cake and the icing at the same time. Yeah, I mean, and it sounds like they were just doing their due diligence and they were just trying to, you know, yeah, get themselves a little bit of uh, extra buffer room to figure some things out and, you know, asking for an extension on the deadline. And uh, instead, it got all interpreted as though, you know, they were making the move uh, officially and the uh, the Mountain West Conference acted as such. And they obviously were not expecting that. And uh, then had to, you know, oh, wait, wait a second. No, this is what we were trying to say. And so I don't know where it stands now. It stands now where the Mountain West has pretty clearly made their position that they're not going to budge very much on whatever San Diego State's trying to do. At least for now. At yeah. least for now. Nor probably should they. And I, and I appreciate that reaction. So it doesn't sound as though they're going to play ball at the moment. And from the San Diego State point of view, it sounds like they're one foot out the door. But the problem is, is there's nowhere to walk to or to go right now because you would think this would logically mean that, oh, they're going to the Pac-12. They've got a Pac-12 invitation, and that's all but done, and we've kind of felt that way for a while. But clearly, there's still a hang-up in that regard, i.e. a TV deal that is not agreed to just yet. And so I guess without that um, you know, confirmation on what exactly that will all look like, you don't officially have an invite to officially then – officially asked out of the conference and so because why don't you have an invite because it's not done because the pac-12 is trying to figure out their own backyard for right Right. now and really can't get to that point even if they want san diego state either way until they themselves know where they are as a conference yeah i mean it's clearly not done you would think if the tv deal was done and you knew the numbers and then therefore you knew what you could go and move on which would be officially inviting san diego state for example and then they could officially 
you know, run through the numbers and what the deadlines are and what they need to do on their end and officially accept and then go through that process, Mm -hmm. like sending a letter to the Mountain West, letting them know that they're going to be leaving the conference. But this was like they were treated. This is almost like, though, a trial run or something like let's test out the processes and how these work uh, without this was it like the Chinese uh, balloon floating across the country until somebody knocked it down out of the sky. Uh, I, I guess so. Yeah. I don't go. know that it was really threatening yeah. the United States, but yeah. Um, yeah. I guess just a trial run and um, it, it wasn't received, I guess the way that they were expecting it to be received. And, and yes, clearly somebody in the mountain West was like, all right, because they, they sent it to all the athletic directors right away. That's right. how it got out. Right. It got sent to everybody in the conference because whoever received it at the top of the chain, treated it as though it was official. And so they sent it out to everybody in the membership to say, like, hey, just so you know, uh, San Diego State's triggering the withdrawal. And then here we are where they had to scramble and say, no, uh, not just not just yet. But, yeah, I mean, their intentions have been made clear. It's just a matter of there's nowhere to go right now. And, and who knows, like, again, the question that has been the only one that's really mattered this entire time, and I, I reiterate this, like, every couple of days, but it stands true every single time. Until that TV deal gets done then there's going to be all these questions, and sure enough, it's clearly not done, and San Diego State's in a little bit of limbo as a result. If 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 they would have sent this letter to the Mountain West, whatever it said, the Mountain West would have said, no, go ahead, you take your time, and we're only going to charge you half the money. Whoever runs the Mountain West and the presidents and ADs, would have, they'd have a riot. They would not let that happen. Now, will they eventually uh, pay less, maybe? just because of the way the law or you know legal stuff type work. $10 super chat, Judson Crockett, thank you very much. Uh, a $5 super chat from Jason, who's a Boise State guy. And it's probably a little bit early, J- uh, Jacob, excuse me. If San Diego State were to leave and the Mountain West decided to find replacement, what teams would be worthwhile? I, I haven't even let San Diego State out the door, but I'm, yeah, there's options. I just don't know which ones they may be, and a lot of it depends on what happens, uh, the strength and stability of the Pac-12, which you would think is going to stay together, perhaps with maybe a defection or two and or an addition or two. San Diego State's name has been mentioned. Fresno, um, you know, they've, they've been oh. mentioned. They're in the conference. Colorado State uh, is in the conference. So a couple of the options you would think of, they're already in the Mountain West Conference. Well, and I mean, there's other questions too. I mean, there's domino effects, so... If there's anything to the SMU thing, which there's been no smoke around that for like a month now, I mean that that really has dried up. And there's the whole thing with, you know, the uh, the allegation or not allegation seems like really strong, but the suggestions that SMU like tipped off Klyovkov being there to visit their game, you know that that was a thing here recently, and just their positioning in the whole pecking order, or you know how desirable they are, how much of an automatic layup they are for the Pac-12. Um, it doesn't sound as though that's a foregone conclusion or automatic the, the same way as San Diego State does. So why does that matter? Well, because that's another domino. Like, if they were to right. label, then that, that's another conference that then has to look for another team. And then, you know, then there's there's more in play. So, yeah, to say, like, who would replace San Diego State, I think there's just a lot of unanswered questions right now, including, like, the fact that they haven't gone anywhere yet. And, um, and that's more... You know, something, I guess, to look at once we get a bit more answers and clarity on this side of the uh, of the equation. There's other, you know, schools that you can look at that are not a part of the Mountain West. I, some of you are mentioning like New Mexico, uh, UTSA, UTEP, whoever. That I, I, I can't even wrap my arms around UTSA that in my head. just got to the American. Yeah, they like, just arrived to the American. Yeah. All right, so there we are with that. So 
Adam McDonald, I don't see you in the chat room. Every day, Adam faithfully comes in and says, has anything happened with realignment? Is the Pac-12 going to have a TV deal? Has anyone heard anything about San Diego State? And Adam, you're not here yet. So when you come in, and I hope you'll know by the time you do uh, if something is happening with San Diego State, because that's the story we popped off to start the show today. Well, I think it should also be mentioned that, uh, you know, in some of these reports, everybody's kind of, you know, published their report all about the same time this afternoon following the initial news of, you know, I was just looking down like the Athletics got their write-up on and everybody else has got their write-ups that are starting to go out there. I was, you know, perusing through some of them and, you know, it's, uh, it's clear that San Diego State's a coveted brand right now, especially by the pack. But in regards to the Big 12, you know, it was made mention at least a couple of those that they've talked, but there's not really any steam or smoke there right now. And I haven't put a lot of credence into the Big 12 and San Diego State because it just doesn't seem like a great fit unless that's your your best option, right? I mean, but if you're San Diego State, yeah, you'd absolutely rather be in the Pac-12 uh, if they're going to be on the same level that they have been because that's just – it's just – easier in, in pretty much every way imaginable but that's if they are on this on the same par but I, I mean I think they are definitely sitting pretty uh prettier than anybody else right now uh, but yeah this is kind of a uh, just a dumb situation to get involved in I think for both sides it makes both sides kind of look silly um both the pack and and maybe not San Diego State to uh, yeah I guess it kind of does uh it makes the Mountain West look you know, kind of strong in the fact that they're like, well, we're not gonna, we're not gonna budge, but who knows how yep. these conversations, you know, go, and maybe you work something out here in the next couple of weeks or next few days or whatever. Bu Big Twelve Patrick, is it possible San Diego State has an offer, but waiting on the timing? Yeah, that's possible. That is, that's a possibility. One of the stories, either Thamel or Ross Dellinger, saying that there has not been an official offer from anybody in the pack uh, in the uh, power five so there's that and that's careful language because yes, we know no, about absolutely we yeah, know about absolutely. things that are you know this guy's not officially being this or that or interviewed or a candidate or he or she or whatever but you know behind the scenes like oh they absolutely are a candidate but you don't say that because obviously you're, you're playing the chess game there but yeah they might not have an official offer because there's not an official offer to give but they could have as as you know unofficial of, a, of an offer as you could possibly imagine and I would you know, if somebody told me that about and said San Diego State's got everything but an official offer and that's all they're waiting on, I would believe that. So, yeah, maybe that's how it's, it's being treated. So it, this is uh, also, again, as Roger said, confirmation on San Diego State and the Pac-12. But I believe San Diego State had a few people mention that months and months ago. We invited their athletic director and or president to join the show several months ago, and they said, we're not saying much. We're not going to say anything right now because they didn't want to maybe affect that. So there's the San Diego State story. TCU and, uh, by the way, Oral Roberts in the College World Series in Omaha. TCU just scored a run in the seventh. That game is tied at two apiece. Virginia plays Florida. That is uh, tomorrow. Uh, Let's see here. We will have today Norm Hitzkiss, longtime legendary sports broadcaster, talk show host out of Dallas who announced his retirement yesterday, effective next Friday. He will join us today at 4. As I mentioned, we'll have a writer, Mark Ziegler, who covers San Diego State on today's story. When I spoke with uh, Kirk Kenny, who covers San Diego State for the Tribune in San Diego, he said um, he this, this didn't it kind of blindsided them a little bit. Not that they knew there would be a chance San Diego State at some point or another would want out, 
But he was more frustrated than the fact that this story came from a national writer, as you could imagine. And you wonder if that's why it wasn't San Diego State that would have sent this to Thamel, because it makes San Diego State look like they're stuck, even if they're feeling pretty good about things. So this was obviously the conference that reached out, you would think, to Pete Thamel and Ross Dellinger, among others. And I had a conversation with him earlier. I said, can you jump on with us today at 310? He goes, man, we're buried right now. And I could see that absolutely buried because of the story that came out this afternoon. All right. um, We will have Bill Connolly from ESPN. He wrote a story yesterday on the website about the top teams each decade going back 100 years. And there's a very high flavor of Oklahoma and Texas. Texas Tech sneaks in on one of the decades. And there's some old Southwest Conference stuff, too. My favorite program, Nebraska, heavily involved, but, of course, nothing in the last 20 years. So he'll join us to kick things off at 3.30. Then Grayson Grunhafer will join us today at 3.45. Anything else? Everything good? Um, Oh, Reiner Swanson, big tight end. Really highly rated tight end out of Laguna Beach in California picked Brigham Young over a lot of Alpha Dogs programs around the country. So a big pickup, a commitment from a tight end at Reiner Swanson from Laguna Beach, California to Brigham Young. We will also get a U.S. Open update a couple of times during the show. The leaders from yesterday, Fowler and Shoffley, are about to tee off in the next 45 minutes, 30 minutes. Uh, uh, Wyndham Clark is right now at 8 under par, and he's on the course at this particular time. Craig, anything else you want to say? Um, no, I mean, we were deep into the, that you know pack conversation, and um, you know I think it's just very interesting that uh, there's still still not a TV deal. I mean that's that's been the case for a year now, and uh, we are you know getting close to media days uh, a month away, exactly uh, you know a month away from a lot of this getting started, uh, if not sooner, because I don't have every date memorized. But I know for the Big Twelve, we're what past a month away at this point. Yeah, like, that's eleventh and twelfth. So yeah, we're less than a month away for the Big Twelve. And uh, as we know, they're sitting back and waiting um, and not making any bones about it. And they'll be there if uh, there's anything to act on. But as of right now, and has has been the case, the ball's in the Pac-12's court. And, and that's been that way for, again, a year now. And so it's fine when, you know, early on you say, well, you know, it's complicated. We're working with Apple. We're working with all these brands and all that. Like, that's been a thing. Uh, let's not forget the vacation time that they had to take that uh, delayed the deal at one point. Remember when everybody took Christmas break? Uh, there was, you know, countless other things here and there. Uh, but, you know, you can say what you want to about the Big 12 and how they've acted or, you know, whatever. But the bottom line is if you just get a TV to do none of this is an issue. None of the Colorado rumors exist. None of the Arizona rumors exist. None of the fumbling of, of whatever this was today by San Diego State. Uh, so that's all it revolves around. And uh, until that day comes, it's going to continue, whether you like it or not, to be speculation and guessing and all those types of things. And there's one simple way to, to shut all that up. But, uh, again, there's a process, I guess, that's being worked through. And we've heard for months and months now of the reasons as to why. I pointed out some of them. Streamers, another one, you know, they, they don't do it traditionally, so it's more complicated or – you know, this brand's in, this brand's out, what yep. have you. Um, I don't know what the truth is in that regard. I can't imagine that this is all gone according to plan. I just refuse to believe that at this stage, that we're still sitting here and they're not even able to officially invite San Diego State yet. 
Um, so clearly there have been you know, more than a couple of hurdles, but how many more are in their way? That's the, the question that nobody really knows right now. And so that's, uh, that's what eventually will we'll tip the scales one way or the other, but we still wait, if, and we've been waiting. If the Pac-12 ends up with a deal that's good enough to keep them together, and it is in that $30 million range or even higher than the Big 12, or with, then George Klyovkov wins the day. He's man of the year in college sports. Uh, and if that happens, I, I mean that. If he somehow was able to make that happen. Uh, construction work. Sounds like San Diego State's trying to force the Big 12's hand by bringing this up in case the Big 12 has any interest. Uh, and then also what this means on the chat, as Craig just mentioned, what this means, because you cannot have a deal if there is no deal. And you cannot have everything else, the dominoes start to fall into place if you do not have the security, San Diego State, of being a part of the Pac-12. And maybe they are also waiting to see, although it would be better than what they're getting in the Mountain West, whatever this uh, Pac-12 ends up being or getting with their media and TV deal. I'm still very curious where SMU falls in all this because they seemed uh, about two months ago, and maybe it was just because it was like a couple of uh, SMU fans who were just really you know, rallying the troops and were really uh, out front about, you know, declaring SMU's appeal and all these types of things. Um, you know, maybe oh, they were in, man. It was all but in, right? I mean, there was a couple people that treated it that way. Uh, there was never really any grave indication or great indication beyond that. San Diego State, I think that's been pretty clear from day one. But I feel like, if anything, the momentum for SMU's kind of faded for one reason or another. And I'm not sure exactly why that is, uh, but that also – you know, comes with the money territory. I mean, do you is the, is the deal good enough to not only keep you happy as a whole right now, but also offset any defections, also bringing a San Diego State and everybody's still making the same, if not more money, and then is it going to be good enough to then bring in an SMU too and still be making good enough money or better money than you were making or better money than you expected? I mean, at some point... That's because the Big 12, if they add teams, has already been told by ESPN down. and Fox yeah. that we will prorate that. Yeah. And, and, well, and the Pac-12 is just trying to get to a certain number, much less add anybody. I mean, they'll prorate it if there's value adds, but there's not any... The Big 12? Yeah. No, they'll be prorated if there's certain teams that are in added. Yeah, but it's... Right, if certain it's, yeah. teams that would add value. Yeah. And they're not going to add them if there's no value. Right, so yeah, so the prorated... I mean, like, there's no... The prorated teams are like the Pac-12 teams, so that's, yes. a, that's a totally different situation for the Big 12. They're looking at it differently. The Pac's trying to add SMU. So my, my thing is, how valuable are they, or... Are they kind of in limbo? Because if you're already struggling as you are to, to do whatever it is that they're trying to do, I mean, again, it's even even their own beat writers are like, all right, this is ridiculous at this point. But I, I just wonder, you know, okay, San Diego State's one thing, but I mean, what are we talking about when it comes to SMU money wise and, and what they elevate or you know bring further down as far as the the pot goes and uh, they've kind of got lost in the shuffle so yeah um curious situation and i think for the big 12 to whoever was talking uh, a second ago about um you know them in san diego state san diego state trying to you know pressure them i don't think that's the case at all i think that you know they are not a conference that um needs to have a team they want to have a team from out west Right, and there's a difference there. I think the Big Twelve wants to have a San Diego State. They want to have an Arizona. They want to have a Colorado. But I don't know that they need to have those teams um, because, again, are they adding or are they subtracting? And um, you know, they're they're being very clear about their intentions, but uh, nowhere to move just yet. Joey Foster, good point with you as well. Uh, you've got to open the door, walk through the door to be on the other side of the door. San Diego State is knocking on the door 
but it has to ring a doorbell, so no one yet is answering the doorbell. All right, we got to take a break. D. Wayne, if you're San Diego State, who cares if it's a Power Five makes $20, 35000000 instead of the tiny money that they're making right now in the Mountain West? When we come back, uh, do it now? Okay. Bill Conley from ESPN.com joins us. He wrote a, a lengthy feature, and he does a lot of these lists, and we've had Bill on before. Uh, the teams of each decade going back to the 1920s. Bill joins Craig Smoke, David Smoke on 365 Sports. Bill, I, I love this stuff, but it also frustrates me as a lifelong Nebraska fan. It just shows how bad they've been for two decades after they dominated <laughs> a lot for about four decades. Uh, you have these ideas that pop up. How how long did it take, or was this not really as long of maybe a project? Because I, I, I love what you did here. Well, the spreadsheets, uh, you know, live on forever. So I was able to pull up there. I did update the way I, I calculate these old ratings a little bit. Uh, but really, it probably didn't take as long as it seems like it took. The, the ratings just had to be polished up. And then I could, you know, just run some averages and whatnot. So it, was, it, it wasn't too bad to set up. And it was a lot of fun. I always love just, you know, I've, I've looked at history a whole bunch. And it's fun to just kind of turn the prism in different ways and, and see what we see there. And we get a lot of stuff like Nebraska almost being a 1980s dynasty, but not quite pulling it off. And, and you know, 1942 Tulsa throwing for 230 yards a game or whatever it was. So it's, it's fun to uncover stuff like that. We have a graphic, Jack, this is very impressive, a graphic that shows the, that each of the decade's best teams from the 20s, 30s, 40s, or whatever. Obviously, this is what you hear about when you think of a college football like uh, Blue Blood or perhaps Invitational. Uh, Miami is not a part at number one of any of the decades. That kind of surprised me. Yeah, I, I, I thought even even knowing how much my numbers like Nebraska, I still assumed Miami would be the best team of the of the 1980s. They were number one in four different years. But yeah, Nebraska pretty much owned the the early 1980s. Especially they just every single year managed to lose the one game they couldn't, uh, and it knocked them out of the title race. If this was a you know a playoff era, it, it probably it might have played out a little bit different up in Lincoln. But you know, either way, I mean, it's funny. The 80s were the decade where Miami emerged, Florida State emerged, and the balance of power kind of shifted a good amount. But we almost we almost had a Nebraska dynasty instead. Yeah, except they didn't win that game against Miami in 83 that, nope. or, or Clemson in 1980 or, or whatever else. Oklahoma and Alabama, I, I, are they the ones that showed up more frequently than everyone else in your opinion? Uh, those two in Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State did. Um, I don't think Ohio State was ever number one in a decade, but they were usually just around. They, they managed to squeeze into the top ten most of the time, and that's uh, that was basically, you know, this, these lists reward consistency over anything else. Um, you know, the, it, it wasn't necessarily the best way to look at, you know, who won the decade. Who Like, USC was only, like, number, what, seven, I think, in the 2000s. Not because, I mean, they had a great run, but they also started with a couple of mediocre years that knocked them down. Penn State in the 80s won a couple of national titles, went, you know, went 500 a couple of times. So it, it was a, a consistency measure more than anything. Well, but it, it, Ohio State was always around. What were the criteria? You have win-loss record, you have bowl games, you have ranked number one in the country or national titles. What was kind of the criteria as far as the pecking order of what mattered? Yeah, I mean, in the end, what SP Plus does, especially this um, you know, this old version, obviously for, for the new version, the week-to-week things I put out during the season, there are a lot of factors that go into that. This is just based on points scored and allowed. I go through all the same 
process of opponent adjustments and everything. I try to tamp down the outliers. So if you beat a team seventy-seven nothing, you're not you know you're not screwing up the scale. It's more like fifty to nothing. But really, it just comes down to that. It's it's uh, grading offenses, grading defenses, uh, and most importantly, adjusting for opponent in a pretty solid way. So that's what it came down to. And and in the end. You know, you see the SEC start to, pay, to perk up a little bit in the uh, in the 2010s, especially. But it was kind of interesting to see how the balance of power flowed, and how from decade to decade, usually there was a different top two or three for each one. Florida State, of course, the team of the 90s. As much as I thought Miami would be the team of the 80s, I thought Nebraska might be the 90s. Yeah. But, Flor- <laughs> but Florida State has a couple of wins straight up against them, including in a national championship game, right? Yeah, and and I mean they were just they were until Alabama of Nick Saban they were pretty much the most consistently uh, elite team ever there in that Bobby Bowden run. They only won a couple titles, but being you know finishing in the AP top four every year, just about finishing in the in this SB plus top five about every single year. Uh, that really kind of won the day there. Nebraska obviously the beginning of the nineties they were still very good, but they were getting thumped by Florida State or Miami in the Orange Bowl every year. Uh, and it really was just kind of a four or five year run for them in the middle and late nineties. So that yeah, that gave Florida State the uh, the edge there. And and as Miami uh, trailed off, Florida perked up and and almost got the got the number two spot as well. A question from the chat room, Big Jack five twelve. How is USC not the team of the two thousands? I I know they yeah. were beaten by Texas in that championship game, but that was about to be their third national championship after winning two prior and two consecutive undefeated seasons one thing about texas in the thousands they they had to finally learn how to beat oklahoma but did they not have like many consecutive 10 plus win seasons and also almost played for the national title in 08 and did in 09 despite not winning that game yeah i mean that, that was pretty much again it was all about consistency there uh, usc starts the year or starts the decade with a couple of absolute duds before they got going in 2002 and that was all it really took for them for their average to kind of get wrecked because this was I mean, again, this was just pure averages from year to year. So if you had a couple duds, it was going to be hard to overcome a team that was very good but maybe didn't have the same peaks. Texas had, was, was very, very good, top five or very close to it every single year that decade. And that ended up, that ended up getting them uh, kind of the, the number one spot there, even though I think maybe USC 2004, maybe that was the single, aside from 01 Miami, maybe that was the peak of the decade to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they still, Texas was more consistent. Was there someone that surprised you? We've mentioned a few things that could have been like, like could have been flipped. That would have made sense, in fact, if that was the case. Based, but on the criteria and based on your data, and as you mentioned, the, the spreadsheet. Was there anything in particular that jumped out at you that that you did not expect? Um, I well, I, I, I was definitely. If I just look at ten year runs here, Alabama's recent run is the most impressive. But Bear Bryant's run in the seventies at Alabama was almost as impressive. It was the closest thing to what Saban has done. I knew the seventies were dominated, dominated by, by the blue blood types, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with OU in Nebraska and Michigan and Ohio state and Alabama and Notre Dame and, and Texas to a certain degree, all those schools were in the top 10 just about every single year, but Nebraska still managed to stand out pretty significantly and, and ended up number one in that decade, even though, According to the way I did the numbers this time, 71 Nebraska was the greatest team of all time. Alabama still ended up beating them out for the decade as a whole. 
Yeah, because yeah, Alabama was good every year, and, and Bear Bryant was a part of that. Nebraska won back-to-back national titles, but uh, and, but they couldn't beat Oklahoma, could they? They never. No. <laughs> they finally did one year, and then had to turn around and have to play them. They said, "Okay, you beat Oklahoma. Guess what? You lost to Missouri, so now you got to go play Oklahoma in yep. a bowl game." That was I'll never forget that moment. <laughs> Yeah, as a, as a Mizzou guy, that's one of Mizzou's uh, crowning achievements there was wrecking Nebraska's plans in 78. That was a, another phenomenal game, by the way. But, yeah, Missouri didn't quite make the list for that one, I guess. Was that James Wilder on, on that team at Missouri? Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, yeah Wilder, uh, Kellen Winslow had a big game that day, too. Uh, Phil Bradley's quarterback. That was a very good Missouri team. They just always figured out how to lose to Kansas and go 7-4 and four with really good teams. I, I, uh, one note, again, Bill Connolly, ESPN.com with us. I saw where Oklahoma State was a part of the yeah. 2000 and I guess the 2010s, which they've had, what, 17 consecutive winning seasons or whatever it might be with Gundy. Uh, we talked about him yesterday with Max Olsen. So, you know, it's nice to see them. I, I think Texas Tech, we, Mike Leach is going to be honored by them. We had that story a couple of days ago. We did along with everyone yeah. else. But in the 2000 to 2010 range, when they had that really fantastic team in 2008, that they snuck inside the top 10, which yeah. I thought says a lot about Mike Leach. Yeah, I think, and that definitely shows how much consistency is rewarded. Tech was pretty much the same team almost every year of the 2000s, and then kind of peaked at the end of it right before he got pushed out. And so that, that cracked them to ninth on the list, even though they didn't have any like top five kind of levels. So I think that was. You know, there might have been other ways to, to look at this whole thing, but it, it definitely rewarded consistency. And that 2011, I love the way it set up, just from a writing perspective, uh, the best defense of the 2010s was, uh, or the second best defense of the 2010s was 2011 LSU. Best offense was 2011 Oklahoma State. We almost got that nas- national title game that year. Uh, and that would have been, you know, best offense versus best defense. That would have been a lot of fun. Bill, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Thank you. All right, Bill Conley, ESPN.com. It's uh, the past 100 years in a nutshell. They break it down by decades from the 20s all the way. And there's maybe a few teams you didn't realize that back then they were pretty good. Yeah, there's also some of the academies that had their run. I saw Fordham, Dartmouth as a part of back in the early days. Of course, TCU had their nice run. I think it was, what, in the 30s too. Um from St. Dominic's Rosary, I'll ask you this on the air, and if you want to respond to me on the text or chat, that'd be great. I cannot listen to anything he has to say when he says Florida State is the team of the 90s. That invalidates everything he has to say. Um, His articles seem to have that effect where like one person doesn't agree with him and they just get rid of the well, entire article itself. Yeah. It just refused to even believe any of it's true. But. It would be me that I would think it was Nebraska. Right. Because they were unbelievable in the 90s. But in the early 90s, they were okay. The Colorado had kind of taken over the Big 8 for a couple of years. Um, well, the same and Nebraska thing as, couldn't beat Florida State straight up in bowl games. It's the same thing as why is USC not number yeah. one over Texas in yeah, the Yeah, there's 2000s. always going to be some good arguments I mean, about um, it. You know, but like you said, it's just a formula that he, he ran through, and that's what the numbers pop out. So I guess be mad at the math. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's things you could obviously debate on and disagree on here. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a list. <laughs> it's not yeah, that, it's not it's that big of a deal. It's the passion of fans. But, Here's yeah, I mean, that's a, it's an understandable question. And I was looking at that, too, of like, man, USC's got two titles. How are they not above Texas? But – Texas was more consistent throughout the decade or, you know, whatever uh, other numbers that, you know, tipped it their way. Uh, As he said, USC had a couple years where they were, you know, down more on average. So, 
Um, yeah, I mean, it, it. I'll say this: his pieces leave a lot of room for debate. A lot of the time, you know, like they they follow a formula. But I feel like the last time we had him on, there was somebody that popped in. Was like, he said this, and I don't, I don't yep. believe anything he has to say. So that's the second time in a row. So his article seemed yep. to have that effect and leave a, leave a lot of uh, room for debate, which is good because that's what the intent is, and and also just to give you. It's also cool if you just want a little bit of a glimpse into history and didn't know much about the dominant teams of the 1920s, like Georgia Tech or you know USC late, uh, um, you know all throughout uh, these last few decades. Very cool to see something like Tech in the Leach run is mm-hmm. uh, top ten in the 2000s here, as you'd expect. Oak State in the 2010s, uh, Oklahoma littered throughout here, as you mentioned, Texas littered throughout here as well. Uh, so there's some, even though OU and Texas will be gone soon, I mean, they still are a Big 12 team for another year. Yeah, so. South, some of it was when there was Big 8 or Southwest yeah. Conference, too. But I'm looking but at US, the 2000s, and so yeah, Texas yeah. Tech and Oklahoma State. and the Big you know, 12, yep. Uh, that's some of the teams that have started to emerge and, and flash a bit, which is good to see that. So uh, USC, even after they lost to uh, Texas in the Rose Bowl, which was in the 2005 season, they went 11-2, and 11-2, and 12-1, Nine and four to close out that decade, and yes, we know how they started it. Their first couple of years, though, were five and seven, and six and six, and so just some of the data, uh, the analytics that that maybe, and again, it's it's his formula. Uh, doesn't mean he's right, doesn't mean he's wrong, but there you are with that. And then so St. Dominic's, I'm still trying to figure out. I want to make sure who would have been you, in your opinion, the team of the '90s. Think about Miami, Nebraska. Obviously, was fantastic, and they were really good. They almost won a national title in 99. They were 12-1. and one. The team that lost to Texas in 96 was probably going to play for one. But Florida State not only had beaten them head up in a couple of bowl games, Florida State was dominant during that time too and won again. But they beat Nebraska in one of the national championship games. Here I am defending Florida State, not because of Paul, but they beat Nebraska in, in, in that championship game uh, and probably why they also got the edge for that particular decade. I mean, on the surface, I'd say Nebraska is the team of the 90s. Um, but, you know, if you want to whittle it down and, and tell me why, you know, Florida State had more this or that or whatever, that's part of that formula again. Um, you know, that's what it says. That's fine. But, yeah, like you, I, I'd say Nebraska was the team of the 90s. You win three national titles. Um, that's, you know, and just dominate that second half of the decade, really. I know Tennessee popped up and Florida popped up there at the end, and we didn't know at the time we were about to start entering the – SEC obsession uh, in the next few years. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Nebraska seemed almost from uh, – well, at least from, you know, what – I mean, pretty – I know Alabama had a title early in that decade. Obviously, Miami and Florida State were doing their things. But, I mean, Nebraska was pretty consistent uh, throughout that decade, especially the latter half. Oh. So, um, hard to imagine somebody else. But, yeah, that's that's what the, the numbers say. And I'm sure for every decade, you'd probably have some some bit of a debate. Most people are saying Nebraska the 90s, but not the 80s, and I would agree. Nebraska yeah. was really good in the 80s, lost in a championship game to Clemson in 1980, lost to Miami that kick-started their run. I would have thought Miami, but Miami early in the 80s, remember, not really much there until they started to make the run with Schnellenberger, and part of it was winning that national title in 1983. All right, when we come back, Grayson Grunhafer, it's been a very busy week for Baylor Athletics in basketball with the Jalen Bridges return, but also in football, a quarterback commit, A.J. McCarty's gone, a couple of other new additions to the roster, and so much more. That's next. Grayson Grunhafer next on 365 Sports. IdealMRI.com. 
That's the business online. Ideal MRI is in the Central Texas marketplace. Rob Maxey is one of the partners. He's who I communicate with quite a bit. He's a staunch supporter of what we do, and again, the first one to commit to being a sponsor of this show and also wanted to be the sponsor when we started back in April of 2020, and we appreciate him. But I also appreciate his business, and so do a lot of people. Ideal MRI can help you find out what is hurting you. Uh, I've had an MRI on my lower back when I started to have this stinging like a hook, a fish hook feeling in my right hip. I've had an MRI on my abdomen because of some of the battles my brothers have been through when it comes to prostate cancer to make sure that everything's clear, no matter what my PSA count. And thank God everything was clear. I've had one on my shoulder as well. And $497 every single time, except the last one was $400. It's $497 or less Every single time, they'll help file the insurance, and it could be less. But bottom line is also you find out what is bothering you, where it hurts, where you can't function, and what you need surgery or otherwise. IdealMRI.com in the Central Texas Marketplace, just off of I-35 in Waco. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em Bears. It's Ram season at Allen Samuels in Waco, and the deals couldn't be any hotter. Shop the greatest selection of new inventory in Central Texas and save big on Ram trucks. Now offering 10% off MSRP on a new 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star Crew Cab or get 2.9% for 72 months. The choice is yours, plus an extra $500 bonus cash to first responders. Allen Samuels in Waco is the place to shop Ram trucks. Visit today or browse online at allensamuelsdcj.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Do you or your kids get nervous about going to the dentist? Stonewood Dental. Dr. Steve Childress, he can help. I've spent a career taking care of patients who, as children, had bad experiences, and now they're adults that hate going to the dentist. If I get a kid at three years old, and they come every six months, and it's a happy experience, it's normal for them. Now they have an accident at six or seven or eight at school. Now they have a broken tooth or a trauma, and they have to come here. They're used to lights. They're used to water in their mouth. They're used to experience. They already trust us. It's amazing what we can do with that kid without it being a negative thing. But if I see a six or seven or eight-year-old that's never been to the dentist, and now they have a trauma or an unfortunate, unexpected toothache, it's harder to do that for that kid and it not be somewhat of a negative experience. So bottom line is I try to teach kids and adults and teenagers and everybody 
the way I'd want my family treated, which is where it's a necessary part of life. You just take care of it. It doesn't have to be that big a deal. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors 104 Midway Center in Woodway or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, Warm. Welcome home. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Racing Grun Aper, 365 Sports. Bearcast co-host with Craig on Tuesdays and recruiting coordinator for the site, Plus, he does his own podcast here on 365 Sports. Grayson, let's start with Jalen Bridges, then we'll get into the football recruiting week. Your thoughts? I, I don't think anyone thought he was going to leave, although there was a long time where the coaching staff had to remain patient. And your thoughts about him returning and what it means? I mean, this is one of the bigger things that has happened for Baylor basketball this offseason. I mean, getting Ray J. Dennis was great. Jaden Nunn, a great addition. The recruiting class was awesome to bring in as well. But, you know, Jalen Bridges was a guy who, if you get him back, you feel like you have cohesiveness from year to year. And I think that's big for a program when you're losing Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer and, um, you know, Keontae George as well. To get a guy like Bridges back who started – so many games for them last year and I, I think it was also I don't know if it was under the radar but it was something that is definitely big for his future is the fact that he started off so slow and he took a while to adjust to you know the way Baylor was playing I think and the shots that he was getting um, but as the season progressed and into Big 12 play he became one of Baylor's most important players if not the most important players for their ceiling. Uh, if they were going to make a run in the tournament. And to see him play as well as he did towards the end of the year kind of lets everyone know, okay, he's really figured it out. He's figured out, you know, his role at Baylor, kind of the shots that he's really good at, the things that he's really good at. And I think because of that, he's going to come into this year with so much confidence in his game, so much confidence in the system. Um, and I just – I don't think that you can underestimate how big this is for the culture and cohesiveness of the program to bring a guy back uh, that played so many minutes that he did last year. So it's huge for uh, this team and their outlook going forward. And I know speaking to the part about, you know, what people thought might happen with Bridges and what direction they may go, um, I know that there's this kind of appearance that they missed out on a lot of targets. But at the end of the day, the guy they would have wanted back more than any of those forwards, the uh, uh, you know, the transfer from Tennessee, the transfer from North Dakota State, the guy that they would have wanted more than any of them is Jalen Bridges, and that's exactly what they got. 
Grayson, does this answer every question on the roster next year, or is there something that you're still wondering about? No, this is pretty much it. And, I mean, if you do have a question about it, it's a little bit too late to address it. Um, But I think in general, if all the guys kind of play to their potential and play to their roles that we think they're going to have, I think they're pretty much set. You know, they got an upgrade at rim protector by getting Eve Missy to reclassify. Uh, That's huge for them, bringing Josh O back and getting older, uh, bringing in Jaden Nunn to give them guard depth, and, of course, Ray J. Dennis to be their starting point guard. Uh, Yeah, I think they're pretty much set. They're about nine, ten deep on the roster. I could see them maybe bringing in a developmental type. But as far as their, you know, core eight, nine, ten type guys and their starting rotation, I think it's pretty much set. All right, so let's look at the quarterback depth chart room, whatever. There was a time when you looked around and, okay, who else is in the room? So they're okay for now. And they, of course, added 2024, and now they've added 2025. And, and there's the sarcastic, okay, yeah, but can we wait that long? Or will I, I do, they are ahead of schedule. Are they ahead of schedule? And do you feel like that no matter what might happen, based on the answers of the next two years' quarterback commits, do you look like these will stick for a long time? Because we heard what Schobel's uh, dad said about his son. Baylor's in a great spot now at the quarterback position. And, and I think it's one of those things where everyone, of course, is going to freak out a little bit when you go through two classes. Uh, you don't land your guys for various reasons. You know, Austin Novosad at the very end of his recruitment as he's become, you know, this high-end, you know, four-star, nearly five-star type player, he flips to Oregon. So there's all kinds of panic. But I think it's really hidden in there, the fact that Baylor was able to go out and get a guy like Troyer Robertson, who was a four-star prospect in his own right, you know, a very good prospect who they won over TCU. And I think that's a big deal uh, for that group. You went out and got R.J. Martinez, who's proven that he can play at the collegiate level, not the FBS level, but at FCS, he was very, very good um, and still relatively young as a walk-on. And then you go out, you get a 2024 commit in Nate Bennett. You go out and get a 2025 commit in Adam Schobel. And now I think they're in a position where, you know, if things don't work out or if something happens or, you know, if, if there's some unforeseen occurrence, I think they feel really good about the fact that, hey, you know what? We can go attack the transfer portal again and, and find someone that way. Or uh, we can go and reevaluate this recruiting class and, and go try to find someone that's maybe hidden like they did with Nate Bennett. So I think things are looking really bright at the quarterback position. I think Sean Bell's done a great job of kind of answering the question uh, when it comes to recruiting at the position. And him and Jeff Grimes, I think, have done a nice job finding guys uh, that fit their scheme. And so I think it's a pretty exciting time to kind of watch them, you know, kind of work around this quarterback room, move things around, scramble, and then end up with really a great roster and a great uh, depth chart going forward. What do you feel like has been sort of the themes of these first couple of – I guess getting camp season underway and visits underway, what have been maybe some of the, the, the bigger themes that have emerged, if, if any, uh, as this has started to, to, to get going? Definitely the coaching staff. I mean, that is something that has been talked about a ton, and I know a lot of people are kind of down on Baylor's recruiting style, their philosophy, their flair, their excitement and whatnot, and that's fine. Uh, but in general, when these prospects visit Baylor, the first thing that they bring up over almost every time is relationships with the coaches, how they feel so welcome, how they feel like an important part of the program, even if they're not committed. 
Um, it, it's just a unique environment and a unique atmosphere. And that's what I continue to hear. That's what I heard on the first official visit weekend. And going into this one, there's a lot of excitement from multiple players who are visiting just about you know getting on campus, building relationships uh, even deeper with the coaching staff and seeing what Baylor is all about. And based on how Baylor did the first week, and I, I think there should be a lot of optimism going forward into these next two official visits, which are going to be very important. And I know a lot of people are kind of wondering, hey, why, why wasn't there a commit on the first official visit weekend? But I think it's important to remember that first official visit weekend, you had you know three or four four-star guys who have offers from everyone, and they're going to take official visits elsewhere. So those recruitments are going to take some time. But I think as we get into some of these other recruitments, uh, we're going to find or some of these other visits, you're going to find some guys who are maybe a little bit closer to making a decision. Uh, than on that first official visit. So they're doing a really nice job, I think. And while, again, they don't have the flair, they don't have the, you know, you know the, the hype or talking a ton, I think they're showing with their results that they're going to recruit uh, with, the, with the best of the teams that are going to be remaining in the Big 12. And, uh, you know, those commits don't always happen right on the, the trip itself. Sometimes they linger a little bit, and that's uh, what we saw with Chris Wokuma as uh, he committed a couple of days after the uh, weekend had wrapped up, and I believe after we had already recorded the Bearcast, correct? And so uh, what can you tell us about that pickup and what that means, uh, his plans moving forward, and just, uh, you know, how does this all add up in the grand scheme of things? So he actually hasn't taken his official visit yet, Craig. He's taking that at the end of the month. So that was why this one was a little bit unexpected just timeline-wise because you, you usually expect guys to take their official visit and then decide from there whether it's immediately or you know maybe a week after or something along those lines. But he decided to go ahead and commit early. And, I, I mean, I think for Baylor, they're looking to take three or four safeties. They already have uh, Mason Dossett committed, and he's going to start off at safety. So their spots are kind of filling up a little bit, and I think that's probably a big reason why – Wokomo was like, hey, you know, if you want to end up at Baylor, this is a great opportunity to go ahead and make this decision uh, while there's many spots open. And Baylor really, really wanted him. A very good athlete, a very physical football player, a guy who kind of fits exactly what they need as a boundary, uh, maybe even a field safety, uh, depending on how he tests and how he moves, uh, potentially play that role that, of course, was occupied by Devin Lemire last year and J.C. Woods the year before. But I think in general, he gives them another option at boundary or field so he can move uh, kind of around the safety spots. But I know Matthew Pallage targeted him very early, recruited him really hard, feels like he's a great fit for what they're trying to build uh, in the defensive back room. And so, yeah, this is a great pickup for them and a, a head-to-head battle win uh, over Texas Tech, which is obviously a big deal as well as they're starting to get you know, create a lot of momentum. So to go out and win that head-to-head battle is a, a pretty big thing for Baylor. Uh, at this part in their recruitment uh, for multiple guys in this 2024 class. Grayson, when the A.J. McCarty story came out, I know you guys have talked about it, and you were uh, all in it as far as it was more that he was not going to be a part of the roster next year and what they were going to do to kind of replace it. But when I spoke with somebody that is uh, has been uh, involved with the football program, uh, I was told, he goes, listen, A.J. may have also looked around, even though he was a starter, he may have looked around and realized there's some young guns coming up through the system. Now, whether or not they have been tested or they have enough experience, but he told me, and this guy knows, I I, I trust him football-wise and his experience, that they've got some young kids, young players that are different, like really good. Have you heard that too as far as on the defensive side of the ball? 
Yeah, and and I mean, I don't think that should really come as a surprise. And obviously, if you follow along on the premium side, you should know most of those guys that you know they're talking about. And I, I think last year there was this misconception about Baylor as far as uh, their defensive backs go, because I think a lot of people say, "Oh, well, they were starting these older guys, so um, you know they must not have a lot of depth behind them. They must be." you know, at a point where they're just, you know, not very talented at defense back, at cornerback, at safety. But really the biggest issue was they were just really young. And so the depth guys really, you know, you could say, well, just put the talent on the field. Well, yeah, that's nice to say and all, but those guys have to be ready. And I I think at this point, those guys are far more ready. I think that was pretty apparent by the fact that Baylor didn't attack the transfer portal for a safety. Uh, They did at cornerback, um, but not at the safety position, even though, I think a lot of people would say that they had issues there last year, uh, which they did with Al Walcott, Devin Neal, Christian Morgan, not really uh, playing to the level I think the expectations were at. Um, but now I think you're going to see some young guys like Corey Gordon and Devin Lemire, who's back, who's going to be a leader of that group. Um, and of course, Devin Bobby, and you got Alfonso Allen. So you got a lot of young guys that I do think are hungry. And I think they're guys that do have a lot of talent who could emerge uh, going into fall camp. So I think that was a part of it. I also think, you know, there's there's other factors to this as well. I mean, he was going to split time with Bryson Jackson anyways. Um, so I think the, the thought that he was a locked-in starter, uh, I don't think that was necessarily true due to, due to the young talent and the fact that he was going to be a part-time player with Bryson Jackson anyways. Um, so I'm not really too concerned about it. This is a situation where I think Dave Aranda is, you know, kind of fixing some of the problems that happened a year ago and making sure that those problems don't pop up again. Um, and in order to do that, you might have to uh, move on from some guys. And so I think right now Baylor's in a, a better spot than they were, even though if you look at their depth chart, you might think otherwise. But I do think this is one of those things where culture trumps talent. And I think that Baylor actually, at the end of the day here, they're going to improve their culture and could improve their talent if these young guys can really take that big step forward, uh, which I'm kind of expecting. Thank you, Grayson. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate your time Fridays. And and whenever there's something else, plus the Bearcast with Craig on Tuesdays, uh, Grayson Grunhafer. One quick note, we need to break. Norm Hitzkus, the great legendary broadcaster in Dallas, will join us next. TCU 5-3, to three, top of the ninth with Oral Roberts just scored a run. Nobody out and two runners on. And they're in the ninth inning, so Oral Roberts is trying to Maybe force extra innings. Runners on first and second. Nobody out. TCU leads five to three. If they do, it'll be a miracle. It was two to two in the uh, bottom of the eighth, and uh, TCU was able to. And Oral Roberts just butchered everything. I mean, they just they kind of choked a little bit. Uh, you know, hit uh, loaded up the bases, uh, hit by pitch, uh, you know, walked in a run, um, and yeah, they were able to to make it five to two out of two to two. Uh, but as you said, Oral Roberts has been able to get some guys on and, and get a guy across home. So 5-3, interesting situation. We'll try to update you on occasion throughout the rest of the show. Wyndham Clark, by the way, the leader in the clubhouse at the open at 9-under. Fowler and Shoffley have not yet teed off. When we come back, he's retiring a week from today. 48 years in the broadcast business in the Dallas and Fort Worth area. Norm Hitzkus will join us. Norm Hitzkus will join us next on 365 Sports. Where is that? Where do I? Let me see the break structure, Craig. I'm sorry. We, we can have, custom. 
Waco Custom Marketplace. Thank you, Jack. I'm sorry. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. It is Father's Day weekend. If you have not picked up what you want to put on the grill, either tomorrow night, tonight, or even, of course, whatever it might be on Sunday. Could be hamburgers, could be sausage, it could be chicken. And and by the way, what you want when it comes to their steaks, too. They have a full-service butcher shop, a full-service bakery. If you want to get a cookie cake or a cake for something as well for Father's Day or just whatever you're doing, they have that fresh-baked bread, fresh-baked kolaches every single day. Brian Bauer and the Bauer family, they have been distributing their product to local restaurants and even restaurants throughout the state of Texas. It was a, about a year or two ago, I'm driving up to Dallas. In fact, I was driving the Big 12 Media Days, and on my right side, I see a, a truck, a delivery truck from Waco Custom Meats, which is part of the company, on their way up to distribute their product to restaurants in the Dallas and Fort Worth area. So they do it all butcher shop bakery and they have regular grocery store products as well cold beer cold wine it's waco custom marketplace 425 lake air drive in waco the future's bright the time is now college is what you make it it's a late night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project it's having big dreams and making them a reality it's a professor who knows your name and your story It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovi. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDI see an equal housing lender boots add protection good boots help you climb better and move forward faster and when your son or daughter steps into the boots of a u.s army officer they also learn how to lead in these boots they'll gain more confidence with expert training in one of more than 150 occupational specialties in these boots they'll stand a little taller and lead a team with diverse backgrounds and areas of expertise to successfully accomplish whatever challenge comes next 
In these boots, they'll earn respect with valuable experience from day one that will give them solid footing for success into the future. Highly qualified candidates who earn a spot on our team can receive comprehensive health care coverage, college tuition assistance, and a bonus of up to $40,000. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Nitchie Group Insurance Agency. With the Nitchie Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Nitchie Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Nitchie Group at 1-800-258-8302. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now here's David Smoke and Craig Smoke. All right, we're expecting the legendary Hall of Fame broadcaster Norm Hitzkiss in this segment, but... Jack just tried to call, went straight to voicemail. I do know that Norm is driving between now and 4.30. That's why he was available, because they're having their big summer event on the ticket radio station, which they've done for a long, long time. Summer bash. Summer bash. And so hopefully that uh, he might have his phone on Do Not Disturb. But uh, just keep on trying to bang that number, Jack. We appreciate it. Craig, update Oral Roberts and TCU. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, having listened to enough ticket over the years and enough Norm, like, this not being a smooth transition is not exactly a surprise. So, yeah, I mean, he, he could be doing any number of things and just, I guess, keep trying. But, uh, you know, hopefully he, he remembers to turn his phone on at some point. But, yeah, I mean, the incredible game going on right now in Omaha. Uh, it was 2-2 two to two heading into the what bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, TCU, thanks to getting the bases loaded, a hit by pitch, a c- couple hits and whatnot, able to make it a 5-2 to two ball game. And Oral Roberts, uh, you know, down to their last three at bats, looked like they were going to be in a lot of trouble, and they have taken a six to five lead uh, over TCU after being down five two. Uh, got a run across, and then I believe it was a three run home run uh, that gave them the lead. As a TCU just had a had trouble getting an out, and uh, now they've been able to get a couple of outs, but not before giving up four runs. So Oral Roberts down to their last three at bats. Uh, still have one more out left to play around with and a man on first base, but they have taken the lead with four runs in this bottom of the or top of the ninth inning. Uh, TCU obviously uh, will need to get out of this situation, and then they'll have an at bat themselves. But they are, are going to be trailing by one at the very least. All right, uh, and and again, Oral Roberts is still up six to five, as you mentioned. Uh, they they are a team with what they how they lost an eight nothing lead in that super regional at Oregon. Lost the game, but came back and bounced back to win games two and three. They are one of those. You're going to have to chop their head off. And, again, TCU still has an opportunity with their order and lineup in the bottom of the ninth, depending on whether or not it's six to five or something different. Uh, Jack, let's do this, if you don't mind. Let's break here, if you don't mind. And I'm going to try to call Norm on my cell phone. Not that he's maybe going straight to voicemail. 
Uh, there was one argument, by the way, on the team of the 80s or 90s. It's from Michael on Nebraska that they didn't beat anybody very good. They beat up on the teams that were average or who they should beat up against, but did not beat teams that were good. If you really look at a lot of teams, one at one point, like eight, nine, ten consecutive bowl games, lost two national championships by eight combined points, including against Miami, where an extra point ties the game, they win the national title, they went for two. That gets overlooked quite a bit. Yeah, they lost to Florida State and Miami regularly uh, until they finally were able to kind of get their stuff together in the 90s and, and start recruiting more speed out of Florida, including the great quarterback in Tommy Frazier. But not many teams have 500 or better records against teams that are also ranked when you play them. All right, when we come back, you want to say something about that? Um, I, I, mean, I don't know. I didn't know that there was a debate over the – I guess he was just saying in general. Yeah, just um, in general. Yeah. yeah. No, in the, uh, in the decade of the 80s, the 70s Were and they 80s. number one or something? Yeah, they, that's what the guy said to Connolly. Yeah, they were number okay, one Okay, well, yeah, 80s. I didn't – I guess – they were 102 and 20. 102 and 20 in the decade of the 80s. And they did not win a national title. To me, they would have been the team of the 90s, but we, again, have had that argument or discussion already. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we made it very clear on that. So, okay, yeah, they were number one there, so that's where that, that argument's coming from. And so, yeah, I, I could see that, um, you know, not thinking that they deserve to maybe take that top spot, but I, I definitely think there's that argument for the 90s. But uh, that's the whole entire point of the article. It's not mm-hmm. to, to tell you, like, this is the facts and – deal with it i mean it's it's as much about creating debate as anything but using all the facts to to let you carve out your own debate and uh you know just presenting it formulaic uh based on you know the things that he put together to to kind of you know set the the standard for it but um it's interesting to look at and you can definitely you know switch around some teams uh everybody seems to have a couple of corrections that they would make and and that's part of the fun of of lists like this so uh, a lot of information packed into that by Bill Connolly and a lot of conversation coming from it as well. And and now, before we take a break, uh, we are going down to the final three outs here. TCU up to bat, down 6-5, bottom of the ninth. 4-11 is the time. We're going to try to get Norm Hitzkiss. TCU is going to try to rally or force extra innings. We will see Ricky Fowler's had a couple of birdies early at 10 under par on the course. Paxton asked me about over-under on him shooting 68 today. I said I would take the over when we come back, we hope it's Norm Hitzkus. Also, Kevin Brooks, former Baylor baseball player, took Angelo State to a national title this year. He will join us. In fact, Norm is trying to call me now, Jack, so go ahead and try to hit him up on his cell phone, and we'll tap dance here for just a little bit. Also today, Rachel Barbo, uh, who's written a book uh, and, and is going to share that book with a lot of different women at an abuse center and um, – Baylor fans have come to, to, to bat for her to try to help make sure they pay for some of those books. We'll take a break here. Norm Hitchkiss is next. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. 
Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. We're now joined by legendary broadcaster Norm Hitzkus, who has been a part of Dallas Radio for nearly five decades, announcing yesterday his retirement next week on the ticket. And, of course, he was legendary elsewhere in Dallas and Fort Worth. I've given this story, Norm. Thank you very much for your time. That When I was about to start a talk show in Tyler in 1990, I visited you at your station, watched you in the morning, your prep work and more, the advice you gave me, and I'll never forget it and appreciate all of what you've meant. Uh, why now? What is it just time, you think, to kind of smell the roses in different ways? Well, uh, first of all, David, thank you. And, uh, David, it's your talent that took off. Um, uh, if I had some kind of advice, like make sure you close the door when you leave, um, I'm glad to have been a part of it. Uh, I, I'm... <laughs> I'm almost 79 years old. Uh, I've done this for and will love it when I leave the air. But this, this business is an addiction, as you well know. Uh, it, it literally gets in your blood and it won't let you go. Uh, it's, it's time for me to go. There's nothing health related here. I just, I want to be with my wife. I want to travel. I'll be, I'll be starting a podcast in the fall, September 4th, called Just Wondering. Uh, I'll still do uh, projects for the ticket. Um, but day to day, I think I've reached the point where I want to put my feet up and figure out where we want to go again in the world. You won't say this, but I will. Chuck Cooperstein, um, Mickey Spagnola. Randy Galloway, you know what he said about you? He said, and you guys were competitors, but in a, in a very great professional way. He said that you were Google.com before there was the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very nice of him. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly honored. I, I hate people sounding over, over humble at times. I'm honestly honored at the outpouring of comments and things on social media and, and emails and texts and phone calls. Um, this is a spectacular area to be a sports talk show host. Mm-hmm. This may be the best sports fans in the country. They're not savage. They're not nasty. Um, they, they are dedicated to their teams. They're knowledgeable. 
yes, they all want to be general managers, but that's the nature of being a sports fan. And to to have been allowed to have a voice in this city for that long is is just fantastic. I'm I'm so happy to have been here and have done this. Norm, do you consider yourself a trailblazer? Well, um, we certainly did start a morning sports talk. Uh, We had the first all-sports morning talk show in the country before all the all-sports stations. And um, we're the only station, in fact, we may still be the only station smoker that does the NFL draft first pick to last. And Mm -hmm. that's been for 38 years now. When I called the NFL and asked to do that, they said, oh, sure. Come up. We'll have a seat for you at the press table. We'll have a phone right there where you can phone in your reports. And I said, no, I'd I'd like to broadcast the draft. And the person at the other end of the line said, all of it? (laughs) And I said, yeah, all of it. And there was this three or four second pause, David, where I think he was trying to figure out a good reason to say no. And at the end of about three or four seconds, he said, well, okay. Um, and we, we also, I'm really proud of our station. We, we use our voice to raise money for charity. And over the years, the program we do every day after Christmas called Normathon to support the Austin Street Center has been really gratifying and impactful. And I, Hey, I, I've just had a nice career. I, I don't know about (laughs) pioneer or any of those things, but it sure has been fun. Well, I will say that there's no question. Your legacy has to be some of what you said as a trailblazer, including being one of the first ever back when there really was no radio row at the Super Bowl. I remember the first time Cowboys-Bills in 1992, Super Bowl twenty-seven, the Century Plaza Hotel down at the bottom. There were like eight radio stations. You were one of them. Galloway was one of them. And, and I, for some reason, we were there, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing, maybe even now to this day, but you started that tradition too. Well, I, I tell you what. Uh, back then, there weren't many of us Super Bowls, and that 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 tracks back into the '80s when we started to go to Super Bowls and and do the show from there. And now, oh, geez, well, you you've been there, David. You know what it's like. Yeah, it's a rat now race. they've got yeah, now they got giant double rooms of radio stations where there might be 80 of them there or something. And you, you look around and you think, holy cow, I didn't know there was that many sports stations in the country. Uh, but it, I'm, I'm really happy. David, I, we've known each other now for, goodness gracious, more than 30 years. Yep. And, and, Okay, can you yeah, I, try I'll to reconnect with him? All right. You know, we're gonna, we'll get Norm back on. Kevin Brooks, the Angelo State baseball coach, used to play at Baylor's, also tried to come on. He was supposed to be around 4.30, so we'll see if we can get him 
a little bit after Norm. I have about two or three more questions for Norm. By the way, TCU 6-5, to five, Oral Roberts leaves, two men on, one out in the bottom of the ninth. We're back with Norm Hitchkiss with us on, on uh, 365 Sports. Norm, um, I, I want to know this. You probably have had a who's who of guests over the years on all the various shows that you've done. Was there ever one like a recruit for a football team that got away was one that you never were able to get booked, even though you've had great like Frito and others, but you never got them. You know, this goes back a long ways, um, David, but we were in the process of, of trying to get Arthur Ashe when he fell sick and, and passed away. And, he was such a leader. He was so intelligent. He was so thoughtful. And I, I not often, but at times I'll go back and think, Lord, I wish I could have talked to him. Uh, could have talked to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that would have been it. You, you uh, athletes talk about, or they discuss when they retire. When they've asked, I've asked this question, what do you miss the most? It could be the roar of the crowd. It could be the adrenaline of the moment of a game. And then again, you always hear about the camaraderie of within a locker room or clubhouse. What do you think, once you're out in a week, will you miss the most? I'll miss the hour before the show begins. That's when you're sitting there. And you're talking about exactly what you want to talk about that day. Mm-hmm. And people give Donnie and Sean, Donnie, my partner, and Sean, my producer, we'll sit there and not, not go through things. We don't want it to be tired on the air. But we'll, we'll talk about things, and you can tell the look on the other faces. I don't think they want to do that. <laughs> and and eventually we'll arrive at something and we'll laugh during that time and have a good time. And I think I'll miss that 45 minutes to an hour as much as, uh, as much as anything, because you know, everybody preps in a different way. I, I get in real early in the morning, always have Donnie preps at home and then comes in about an hour before the show and Sean arrives in the middle. That's part of the real fun of this business because you're going to get to sit and talk to people for hours Mm -hmm. and you're going to try to analyze something. It's way different. And you know, it's way different than it used to be. People now, your audience, there's a chance a lot of them are smarter on the topic you're talking about than you. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, it used to be you'd come on the air and you'd describe the game last night. Well, by the time you get on the air, everybody knows what the game last night. Uh, everybody who wants to. Uh, the business has changed a lot, uh, a great deal. Um, but I'll tell you what, it is such a good time and it's such an honor. I, I remember my folks were very poor people. Um, and when I told them I was going to get to go to the Super Bowl and get in free, <laughs> they couldn't believe it. 
they just couldn't believe it. <laughs> and I, I think my mom may have spent the whole Super Bowl trying to figure out which one I was in the crowd. <laughs> um, but it, it's, I mean, what a privilege we have. Mm-hmm. What a privilege, David. Privilege to talk to people. Privilege to go to games. A privilege to try to figure out athletes. Um, what a privilege that is. Norm, uh, Sports Talk Radio, we're now a podcast on YouTube. Which, and and the, the how we've grown has been uh, amazing, the journey and all of that. But it's it's still kind of talk radio and yet podcast, TV, whatever. In your opinion, because of how online and the website has changed so much, social media, how much did that change in any way for you hosting a talk show with the immediacy of what we have now at our fingertips? I, I think you're asked to do more analysis. A lot of people talk about what happened. I think we've got to do a job of interpreting what happened. Um, paint the proper picture of it. And I think one of the things that's disturbing about social media, and David, as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not on social media. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't do Twitter or TikTok or Facebook. Uh, I do occasionally send out small reports on Instagram, but generally, as I like to say on the air, I'm not on the the turn, the talk, the gram of the book. Uh, but what serves me now is in the immediacy, anybody can take their phone and say some of the nastiest things. And it's, it's just long ago um, when I talked to Mark Friedman, my producer of years ago, uh, I, I said, Mark, I don't want any part of this. And I'm kind of glad of that because while the immediacy is wonderful in the world, how quickly news can spread, other things can spread quickly too. Yep. Well, I know one thing that when I did visit with you, because I had great respect for what you were doing, what you had done to get to pick your brain, to watch how you prep for a show, which is remarkable. Uh, as uh, Galloway said, you were Googled before that. Cooperstein, who was probably among the most knowledgeable pe- people across the board in sports as I've ever known, uh, right like 1B to what you are at 1A. Norm, you meant a lot to my career. You helped me kick off my career. I'll always be indebted to you for that, and I am thrilled that you're going to have a chance to kind of enjoy what I hope is a a great few years for you, a lot of years for you. You are a pioneer and a legacy, and we appreciate your time and what you've meant to sports people in the Dallas-Fort Worth area but around the country as well. David, thank you. Just keep doing it, doing the thing you love and that I've loved for decades. And I will send you a, a Tupperware full of chili at some point. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, do, do your do your listeners understand what a cook you are? I don't know. I don't think so. I I I don't know. But we sure had some great times at Cowboys training camp back in the day, didn't we? Well, that may be reason for my me to buy the round trip ticket to camp again this year. <laughs> Norm and Joy, I know you're getting ready to go to another fundraiser and a huge event for the ticket. Thank you so much for what you do, what you've met, and I can't wait to see you soon. Thanks, David. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Hope we cross paths soon. Yes, sir. That is the great Norm Hitzkus, who helped kickstart whatever for the longest of time was talk radio. Now what has turned into podcast and much more with what we have here on 365 Sports. When we come back, Kevin Brooks, Angelo State baseball coach, won a national title, played at Baylor. Rachel Barbo has a book, and that book is being distributed to women who are in shelters. And the Baylor fan base really came up big to help buy a bunch that she can give away for three free. Excuse me. And this is 365 Sports. PettyClinicLowT.com, Dr. Kent Petty can help you become the high-performance man you want to be, need to be, and used to be. Listen, Father Time wins. Father Time wins eventually when we all aren't here anymore, but also Father Time wins when it comes to our health and our body. Testosterone levels in some can drop faster than others. One out of every three to four men have Low, uh, have symptoms of low testosterone, and you might be one of them. Low testosterone can mean your energy is not the same. Low testosterone means your sex drive is not the same. Your focus is not the same. No matter if you're healthy or you exercise and have a very good diet. Dr. Kent Petty at PettyClinicLowT.com will set you up. If you contact him, go to the uh, website, tell him I sent you. He'll set you up to get your blood work. He will get the results, and he will look at them and then contact you on your testosterone testosterone levels and if they're too low he can help you become the high performance man you want to be used to be need to be it's pettycliniclowt.com automatic chef canteen is a full service micro market vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment a wide variety of products and offering custom fitted micro market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room you want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis well automatic chef canteen locally owned and operated for over 50 years in central texas also includes in-house mechanics on call 24 7 for fast reliable service and maintenance automatic chef canteen 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com. In the market for a quality metal building? Since 1943, Pioneer Steel and Pipe has helped Central Texas residential and commercial customers with metal building design, panel options, building components, and trim options. Pioneer Steel and Pipe's residential line is energy efficient, offers low maintenance, reduces insurance payments, is impact resistant, and carries up to a 45-year limited warranty. In addition, they can also help you find a metal building contractor for your project. Pioneer Steel and Pipe with locations in Waco and Bryan and at pioneersboys.com. Aaron Duvall, owner, Texas Beef House. Why did you get into this business? We kind of were born into it, and it's been for uh, several generations. Our family's been in the, in the beef business, uh, the, the ranching business. And we've specifically got into the beef business uh, back in about 2015 when uh, me and my son uh, decided to form Texas Beef House. And uh, 
sell directly to the public. Aaron, everyone yeah. knows about Wagyu and, and, and how elite that is when it comes to beef. What separates you from anyone else that may do this in this type of profession? We um, selected out Wagyu mainly because it's, uh, it's such a quality beef and uh, it's consistent. Some beef, some breeds, you, know, you may have uh, you know a good animal every now and then, but Wagyu produces really consistently good beef every time. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lake Shore Drive, North 19th Street, right behind the bank, is a hidden gem in Waco. If you're a fan of bourbon, especially local Texas bourbons, that's where you gotta go. Balcones, TX, Devil's River, whatever it is, they've got it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, plus the best selection of craft beers in Waco, seasonally churned out throughout the year, whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, best selection of craft beers, a speedy drive-thru window, an excellent customer service. Find out more on Instagram or just go by and see them. Lakeshore Drive at North 19th Street behind the bank. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes each week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, and more. If you haven't been there in quite some time, you're missing out on the improvements for our members. New flooring in the weight room and locker room, new paint and mirrors added in the weight room and group exercise room, with more new machines arriving over the next few months. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new elliptical machines on spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, and Alex Botch, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. There's sauna, whirlpool, tanning bed, and kids club. The amenities are great. 16 tennis courts plus an 1,100-seat stadium court, eight pickleball courts, youth and adult tennis and pickleball lessons. Visit our website, WacoTennis.com, or visit Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. Thanks to Norm Hitzkiss, and apologies to Kevin Brooks, head baseball coach at Angelo State, also played at Baylor, and he joins us now on 365 Sports. Coach, thank you very much for your time. We had a couple of technical things just with the communication on time, but appreciate you being patient and joining the show. What's it like to be a national champion? Oh, man, it's, uh, it's been great. Uh, you know, the people of San Angelo have been so supportive, uh, of us uh ever since we got this thing started and so uh i hadn't really been much but to the field in my house uh but uh the few times i've I've, uh, had a chance to get out everybody's been great and they had a you know awesome welcome home for us and uh so it's been good you're the only coach in that program's history which means you started this program what's it like to be the only one and to build something from basically scratch been awesome you know uh, unfortunately everything that's wrong uh, is is my fault <laughs> and a lot of other people can take credit for the good stuff um you know uh, uh, it's like another kid to me um you know just 
watching uh, where we started from. I mean, I think we started back in 2005. We had one scholarship. Facilities uh, definitely were, were not very nice. And then just, you know, it's been so many people, um, you know, allowing us to be able to compete and have this type of success. So um, it's been very rewarding. Um, and, and just like I say, it's been, you know, it just brought so many people into what we do. And, uh, you know, hopefully changing some, some people's lives for the better. What did the influence of Mickey Sullivan have on your career and as a coach, <laughs> as a player, and now as a person? Oh, man. Coach Sullivan was the best. You know, uh, it had a ton. Um, you know, he, he was the, you know, first of all, er- everybody loved uh, Coach Sullivan and would do anything you could uh, for that man. And, uh, you know, he's the best. He's so good with people and anybody who had the the opportunity to, to meet him even for, you know, 30 seconds. Um, you know, he was great at, at making you feel special um, and, and getting you buy in. And then he had such – he's one of the best guys, you know, we get in analytics and stuff, but he was one of those guys that I really thought had a great feel um, for the game and, and, you know, played some things with his gut at times. And, uh, man, I watched him pull some rabbits out of his hat over the years and <laughs> – uh, you know, so I think there's a mixture of that and uh, definitely take a, a lot of Coach Sullivan uh, with me, I hope. Do you use a mixture of that and analytics? What how do, What's kind of your philosophy on that? Well, yeah, I mean, I think you do. you got to use all your, your tools, you know, in the toolbox. And uh, so I, I think you make better decisions. Um, obviously, the more prepared you are and, and the more information you have. Hopefully, you're going to make the, the best decision. So. Uh, on the other hand, you know, uh, you know, I'm 50 something now, but I mean, I've been around baseball a long time, and so sometimes your gut says this, and the numbers say that, and, and you go with your gut. So I think it's a mixture, um, you know, and hopefully it works more than it doesn't. <laughs> Kevin Brooks, the head coach at Angelo State, they won the national title, beat Rollins 6-5 to five to win the Division II national title. So take me to the ninth inning, two programs <laughs> that have never won the national title. Uh, you've been building towards this, and Rollins obviously has two. Uh, you're up 6-2. to two. It's all of a sudden, what, 6-5? to five? And what was that like, watching that unfold until you got the strikeout to end the game? Well, um, you know, yeah, we, we got a we got a tack on run there in the eighth that, that proved to be very important, obviously. Uh, you know, went out with uh, Scott Ellis, who, you know, we've used a lot in that situation, transfer from Oregon, really good guy. Uh, gave up two hits, and uh, we had in, in the bullpen uh, Kay Bragg, who was the, you know, D2 pitcher of the year and uh, just unbelievable and you know, we had to lose twice, too. So that was the first game. Um, had Cade ready to, to start game two, and then it was like, all right, as far as leverage, you know, we're up four with the best guy in the country, and we need two outs. And, uh, you know, Cade made me a little nervous there. But, uh, I mean, really I was thinking, golly, if we lose this, this is the worst coaching decision maybe in the history of baseball. So it worked <laughs> out, um, you know, and uh, – couldn't be happier for our guys and, you know, and for Cade to, to be the, the guy out there at the end. So you, you kind of, as I mentioned, you've been building towards this. Was there ever a time early on where you thought, 
man, are we going to be able to reach the level that I think we should get to? Um, you know, I'll be honest, I always believed and, and, and we had such quick success. Um, you know, we, we were able to win the conference our second year, the third year we made it to the world series, which I, I think it's still the fastest that's ever been done in NCAA history. So, um, you know, and, and just, I, I could always envision, you know, um, and, uh, you know, we've had a really good shot many times that you just need some breaks and, uh, thought we finally got got a few this time and uh you know just and you need great players and 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 guys that that play hard and and are tough and uh you know this just happened to be the right combination of guys to get it done all right one more thing kevin again congratulations on it i had a few people reach out to me and said hey do you know about kevin brooks angelo state and obviously had heard of you wasn't sure uh everything but we appreciate that did you happen to watch oral roberts and tcu Earlier that game yeah. ended about a half a half hour ago. Yeah, I was glad we got pushed back. I, I, I was because it was getting right there at the end. So, um, yeah, what a what a job uh, by Oral Roberts there coming back and uh, TCU made it close. But uh, what a great game makes. That's, I mean, you know, games like that, teams like that competing, is what makes college baseball in my mind the best sport around. How much do you follow Baylor uh, with what? Of course, uh, Steve Smith of, did, and then Rod, and now Mitch yeah. Thompson's trying to get them basically almost from scratch because of the big transition. Yeah, um, well, a, a lot. You know, I grew up in Waco. Um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm a Baylor guy. Uh, nobody bleeds green and gold more than me, and uh, so uh, follow him a lot. You know, I've known Mitch a, a long time. Uh, you know, Smitty's son, Ryan, played for us here at Angelo State. Um, you know, and, and even while I was coaching at, at A&M, uh, against those guys. So, um, you know, uh, follow every sport, uh, live and die with them. And, uh, you know, hopefully Mitch will get that thing going. Um, he's a great coach and, and, and I, I feel good. He's going to get this thing going here soon. Kevin, thank you so much. Congratulations on what you've accomplished. Good luck going forward. And we appreciate your time today. Happy Father's Day weekend too. All right, thank you, guys. Kevin Brooks, a baseball coach at Angelo State. They win the Division II title, played at Baylor. He was also at Incarnate Word and played under the great Mickey Sullivan, the late Mickey Sullivan, whose numbers retired on the Baylor ballpark field right there behind home plate. Coming up next, Rachel Barbo. Uh, she uh, was a part of National Talk Radio for the longest of time. She also was the one back in 2017 when Baylor had dealt with the scandal and basically had dealt with so much being piled on them that not many people told the players that were at the program who had nothing to do with it, weren't a part of it, what they were worth. And basically, if they said what they were worth, it wasn't very complimentary. She came to campus spoke with the team, and it's been pretty interesting, very interesting, the relationship between Rachel and also Baylor. And that went another step in the last few weeks because of money raised for her book that she's trying to get to women at a woman's shelter in Birmingham, Alabama. That story and her passion is next. This is 365 Sports. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. 
Nation's Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, the wedding ring store. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. This is 365 Sports. Want more updates during the day? Follow 365 Sports YT on Twitter. I remember the first time I had a chance to visit with Rachel Barbo. She was in, uh, she was on Sirius XM national talk show, covered college football. And in 2017, I mentioned this before the break, she came to Waco to speak to the Baylor football team that had been basically just riddled with negativity, mm-hmm. toxicity. She spoke to the team, and nobody probably wanted to hear what she had to say, but she's built lifelong friendships from that. 
Mo Porter, Verkedrick Vons, uh, many. And she joins us on 365 Sports. How you doing? Uh, excited and um, uh, just all the feels. Grateful, excited, happy. I don't even know if you asked me how I was feeling. I'm doing great. I'm doing great, my friend. Last time I saw you was at the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was. Absolutely, it was. And and we had you on. In fact, I guess that was the last one was in Phoenix, right? Uh, it was. It was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The last that Super Bowl back in in February. All right. So let's kind of go backwards. You're releasing a book very yes. soon, Relentless Joy. Yeah. What is it about? All right, it's about how to find, keep, and cultivate joy in a dark world. And all you have to do is turn on Twitter, Facebook, news. You know, we, we, we're, we're, nobody's immune to it. It's every day. It's shootings. It's robbings. It's inflation. It's border. It's, you know, it's all the things, right? We live in a broken world. And um, I want to teach people how to find, keep, and cultivate joy, um, even when uh, things suck, when circumstances suck. And and I have been there. You know, I, I've had this charmed, uh, I'm not even going to say charmed, but I have, I've had amazing accomplishments, right? I've had amazing highs, my friend, but I've also had amazing lows. And I've tried to be open and honest about that, but some of those I've never really talked about in a huge public forum before. But there's a fact that I've been through addiction. I, you know, uh, I'm public about the fact that I've been through, you know, domestic violence. I've, I've lost both my parents. So I'm very, very you know, familiar with grief. I've lost all my worldly possessions and built back. And so I've been through things and, you know, I, I kind of joke and tell people nobody would blame me if I went and lived in a you know remote cave and had a pet goat. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, 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 I've been through some stuff. And so I just want to teach people how to, uh, how to keep their joy, how to notice their joy, how to be joy, how to spread joy um, in a dark world. And that's all what the book is about. And What's interesting, and I know you're going to get to it, is the role that Baylor fans have played uh, in 2023 that stems back all the way to 2017. Absolutely. Well, I was going to get to that. You're right. You've written this book. It's about to be released. And you also want to donate copies to the Love Lady Christian Halfway House in Birmingham, Alabama. So yeah. you uh, had, I, I, I believe, I don't know if it was Brian Etheridge, Sikkim365.com, which is the umbrella of what we do, reached out yep. to you or vice versa. You started to talk. What happened after that? Oh, my gracious. It was about two weekends ago, and Brian got a hold of it, and he's an absolute king, and I think the world of him. Uh, met him back in the day, and 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 um, he got a hold of it and um, and put it on the message boards. And the message said something to the effect of, hey, you know, she helped us back in 2017. Let's rally for her. And over the weekend, Baylor fans raised uh, upwards uh, over $2,000 to buy books for these women. And, and just a very quick um, aside for people to understand, for the past 10 years, I've been giving my testimony and sharing at this Christian Women's Halfway House. So if you can envision this, it's in the book. But these women are coming out of drugs, jail, prostitution, abandonment. They're right off the street. And, you know, they come in with their kids. They can get job training. They can get education. And then all get some, it also gets Jesus, right? And the place is like uh, a former hospital. So when, when you're speaking, sharing your testimony, you're preaching, there's like four levels of women hanging off. And when I say this place is crunk, I mean, this place is crunk. Like these women, they dance, they sing, they hoot, they holler. There's no like halfway or golf claps in this church. And in this, and so I've been going there twice a year for 10 years, um, and again, sharing my testimony. And so when I when I put this book out, I wrote about them in the book, 
But I said, I want to have a philanthropic arm of what I'm doing. I don't want to just ask people, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. I, you know, that's great, right? But I wanted to give back. I want to have a give back element. And Baylor fans <laughs> over that time and since then have helped me buy 700 books for these women. I have a goal of a thousand um, and I want to get to that thousand. I'm going there on the 25th, uh, the, the Sunday after my book launches, and I get to in person hand out these books to women, 420 women that are there, and then the remaining books we're going to put behind the desk for the women that don't even know they're going yet, that, that are still on the street, that still have a needle in their arm, that are still in the throes of addiction, and they don't even know they're walking in this place yet, this life-giving place, and when they walk in, they're going to be handed a book. And um, a book that says, I've been where you've been. And, and I'm just, it, it's amazing to me. I tried to explain this on a, on a video the other day. Like, I had no idea the work that I did in 2017 would turn back around in 2023 and that Baylor fans would be the ones to, to rally, right? And these women will never know the people from Texas to California to all over the country that rallied together to buy these books for them. And if that's not a full circle story, I don't know what is, my friend. No, yeah, and and that's great because women who will want to read this story about what you have been through, the lows of life to the highs as well, and the exhilaration uh, is amazing. When you came on campus, for those that don't know, I've brought this up, Baylor was spat on. Uh, They were, they, they, I mean, basically a lot of things had happened, bad things had happened, but like everybody's Mm -hmm. thrown under the bus. None of those players yep. wanted to hear somebody else tell them how bad they were, and yet you did the opposite. I remember meeting you at a barbecue place and talking about it that, yep. I guess, day or afternoon. Um, when did you know they were actually listening to you? All right, so I wrote about it, and I've got I've got to like find these articles. I, I sent a picture to you last night, and I've told this story many times. I didn't even know. I left Baylor the first time, and I was flying to Alabama to speak the next day. And I was opening up this book that I had used to, you know, to write my speeches. And it said, thank you for coming for us. The whole, I thought the whole world had forgotten us. And, and what happened is simply bigger than, than anything worldly. It was miraculous. Okay. Because here, here, let me set the stage for you. I was on Sirius XM. I was a host at that time, just like you, right? I was a host at that time and many, 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 and I'm not pointing any fingers or calling any names, but I'm just telling the truth. Many People that had a voice, that had a microphone, that were reporters, that were whatever, were just were, were just parroting false information about Baylor at that time. And you know it, and I know it, my friend. And they were just purporting and, and reporting stuff that was false. But the true reality was, is when I went there under Matt Rule, and it took like six months of vetting me and different calls and different people, when I went there, there was not a player or a person in administration that had anything to do with it. Yet, as you mentioned, they were still being spat on, called rapists. No means no. Fans were being, you know, as, you know, with words assaulted at, at you know, by, for wearing Baylor stuff. There were other athletes that were just, you know, called names, same thing. So when I went there, I could tell. I was in the meeting room. And their their heads were, you know, I'm not going to say completely down, but they had walls up. They didn't want to hear me. They'd had a speaker come in before, and that didn't end well. And they just, they, they were over it. They were done. And something, all miraculous for words happened. Whatever I came out of my soul 
telling them you are kings. I believe in you. There's the next great author in this room. There's the next great father in this room. It, it spoke to something in them and walls. I'm getting all choked up, but walls fell down and, uh, and they listened and they believed. And it was somebody come in and saying, I believe you. I believe in you and I love you. And I see all your words and all your potential and that you're going to leave a legacy. And even some of the Baylor players just this past week have tweeted and said, she's right. We did not want to listen to her, but she's a real one. She, she spoke life into us. I still wear my bracelet. Mm-hmm. How many years ago was that, my friend? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, six years ago. Goes, yeah. It just goes to show that if you speak life into somebody, whether it be at the gas station or the nail shop or, or the Baylor football team during a really tough time, they'll never forget it. And that's the good stuff of life. Not a not a million dollar paycheck, not a new watch, not a Maserati. Is that's the good stuff of life. And it's just and then what happened and so then then I started going back and going back. I think that fall and the next year I went back to Baylor like, you know, five times. I went mm-hmm. for a football game. I was on the sidelines with them. Met you at a bar- barbecue place, surprised them one night for a team dinner, you know, and I'm there and they're all hugging me as they come in the door. And then, like you mentioned, we've created these lifelong relationships that still exist to this day. Yeah, you're right. And and when I saw the book being promoted and I saw what our site was doing, especially with yeah. Bryant Etheridge and then the, the paid members, it was like they, it was like clockwork. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I watched the thread build. Uh, and then when I saw Mo Porter, and obviously an incredible friend of yours in Verkedrick yep. Vons, who basically yep. is doing some of the same thing. I, I mean, that, yep. that's just goosebump stuff. <laughs> I, I'm going to write about it in my next book. I've already got the next book is already ready and up to go. Just got to write the, the treatment. Um, and, you know, there, it'll be a lot more of my sports stories and, you know, my experiences with you know, Bill Snyder and Bobby Bowden and, the savings and and so it's going to be a heavy sports book the next one but i will write about this like there is like if i could my book coach said to me can you replicate this and i said i don't think i can replicate this it's trying to like catch lightning in a bottle like i meant something great to the baylor fans right like i you know i i was meant to be at that time and then here's the other crazy part of it is i wasn't just a speaker coming in i had a microphone Right. So I went back to Sirius at that time and told the truth of what I saw. I told the truth. I refuted these people that were reporting erroneous things that were still causing this crap to go on. And so I was like, you know, outside in the national media, I was a voice. And I and, and it was interesting because, you know, two years later, I would retire from sports casting because I'm changing the narrative had gotten so big. But I was uniquely positioned at that exact time to share what I saw, to share about Baylor fans, to share what they were going through, to share what these players are going through, to share the bond that we built, to show from the inside. And I, I changed a lot of people's minds that were outside of the Baylor fans. They were like, what? Wait, that's the truth? There's nobody there still? We shouldn't be yelling about them? We shouldn't be punishing these guys that did nothing wrong? So, you know, it's even more special and even more magical and miraculous how I was still a sportscaster at that time and able to provide a voice for Baylor fans and Baylor players nationally. Yeah, you did. And and look where you are now, writing more and more books. So if, for example, when I, when we had you on, I, I mentioned author of the book, uh, obviously Relentless yeah. Joy. 
you're a talk show host. You have been. You've been on national, Sirius yep. XM, et cetera. Yep. Sideline, broadcast, TV, all of this now author. <laughs> so what are you? I, you know what's it, 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 you I just love you, by the way. <laughs> you, know, you ask the best questions always. Thank you. And you're my friend. Thank you. But uh, I, I don't like it, motivational speaker. I, I think, you know, because I don't want to motivate you, right? Like, I don't want to motivate you. Um, and then three days later, you're doing the same thing. I heard this recently, and I love it. If I were going to call myself something, I'd call myself a transformational speaker because I'm trying to help you transform your life. Secondarily, I would say um, I'm a friend. I'm a mentor. I'm a movement maker. Um, I'm a coach. Uh, people call me Ma, you know, Aunt, you know, Miss Rachel. I've got, you know, not only Baylor fans, but athletes that I've spoken to years and years ago that I've been to their weddings. I've seen their babies be born. They've been to my wedding. You know, one of my former players at SIU actually, actually got my husband ready for our wedding. Wow. Um, it's just, yeah, it's uh, it's the power of caring. And this is what Baylor fans have done for me. Y'all have shown up in droves, and you showed me that you remembered what I did. And I didn't even, you know, that's the beautiful thing. I didn't do it, do anything other than just doing my job, you know, what I was called to do. I went there and spoke and loved and came back. And, and you know, and, and Coach Rule, I, I have to give him credit for everything that he allowed me to do. He allowed me to come back in, be on the sidelines, and be close to that program, be in pregame meetings, and just be there, be a fixture. And, um, you know, that takes a special coach to do that, to, to let somebody in as well. Uh, so, Rachel, we're going to get into how people, if they want to be a part of this, we have an audience that is very giving. I, I You would be – I mean, they products that we promote – um, which you know the sponsors want to know if anyone's listening or watching, but it's, it's an amazing group and things that we've also tried to promote over the years. So we're going to do that uh, here in, okay. in a second. You mentioned what you have been through and some of that, which is enough, just some of it for one person for a lifetime. You've been through multiple yeah. issues. Uh, who gave you your speech? Ooh. I mean, God, that's, that's, I, there's no other answer. Um, I, I would say he's first and foremost. I secondarily, I, I my mom and my grandmother. I didn't get this till later on in life. When I was growing up, my grandmother was a bartender. Okay, bartender for fifty years. She waited on Truman Capote, Sonny Smith, Wimp Sanderson, Bear Bryant, John Wayne. And but at Christmas time, she would get like five hundred cards, and she was the grandma that would like put them up over the arches of her door, you know, and like hang them on the wall. And she would get all these Christmas cards. And, you know, I find out later on that they were from mayors, they're from soldiers, they were from prostitutes. I'm not kidding you. Like every gamut, you know, like running the spectrum of people. And she just loved people. She loved people. Well, then in turn, my mama loved people. And she she doted on people. She, you know, and they gave that gift to me. And for me, I say people are my currency. Therefore, I'm a billionaire. I, you know, yes, do I want to make more money in life so I can give away more money and do more and help more people? Absolutely. I'm, I'm not shy about that because it'll run through me and it'll help more people. But at the end of the day, I'm rich. I'm rich. My life is rich. And if I die tomorrow, I believe God would say, man, you kept me busy. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and you know, I hope he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, because I just love people radically. And that's what I teach people in this book. That's, that's the thing. And relentless joy, you know, you may say, I'm not like that. 
or I'm a pessimist. I met this woman in a in a Uber coming back from interviewing with you at the Super Bowl, and we got to talking, and she said, Rachel, she said, um, I wasn't always this open. And I said, really? And she said, oh, yeah. She said, I was a natural-born pessimist. She said, but I got sick and tired of myself. I got sick and tired of being sick and tired and being miserable and being negative. She said, so I went on this journey of studying everything that I could study about positivity and mindset and, and gratitude. And she said, I'm not like that anymore. And so you can change. If you just say, I'm not naturally a joyful or, you know, grateful or, you know, I'm not, you can change. And let me tell you something. You've got this one precious life. How dare you not live it? How dare you say, well, this is who I am, or that's the way it's always been done, or this happened to my parents, or I'm stuck. That's bull crap. Get your shovel out and do the work. And that's what this book is about, is about teaching anybody and everybody, wherever you are, in your socioeconomic background, your walk, your age, you can you can live a more joyful life. You can. Well, and you're obviously doing that. Uh, change the narrative, and now relentless joy. Rachel Barbo, uh, I've known her since 2017 when she visited Waco, reached out to her, had her on the show back then, and also a handful of yep. other times, including February uh, in Phoenix. So let's say somebody wants to not only buy the book, and I just put up the link to the book itself, but uh, if somebody wants to get involved, whether it's through, I don't know, is it PayPal, Venmo, whatever, how, how can yeah. somebody, if they want to donate to the cause to get more books in the hands of those women who are needing to read something positive about yes. why to continue to get up every morning? Yeah, so there's three ways. I sent you guys a link, uh, a PayPal link, um, if, you wouldn't, if you wouldn't mind sharing that. We did. Um, there's also awesome there and i'll retweet and share the heck out of it there is a uh, there's a qr code there there's also you can go to rachelbarbo.com and you can hit book and you can donate books that way um if you donate through paypal we will turn around and buy the book we'll just buy it and give it to them we'll show you what we did um, and that's also if somebody wants a tax write-off if somebody would rather this be a charitable donation please reach out to me i'll be i'm manning twitter manning facebook Send me an email. You know, Smoke can put you in touch with me, and we can get you a tax write-off. If you want that, go to the PayPal or contact me. If you just want to do the book donation, you don't care about that, you can go to rachelbarbeau.com and then hit the book section, and it'll tell you more about the love ladies. And uh, I just got to tell you thank you. You know, it's, uh, it's really cool not being in the business anymore, but not being that far removed. This morning I did Sirius with Chris Childers mm-hmm. and Nicole Auerbach, and it was so neat to be back. And then this afternoon I get to end with you. And, um, you know, it's neat for my people, you know, that I, I'm friends with that, you know, were good to me in the media world to say, hey, listen, we, we think this is valuable. We think this story is valuable. More than anything, I just want to thank Baylor fans like, there's no other fan base like this. It's like when my book coach said, can you replicate it? I'm like, I'm not sure you can replicate magic. You know, like I haven't meant this much to a, a, a book, you know, a fan base as I think I have to Baylor fans. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know that there's, I'm an Auburn graduate. I, I don't see Auburn fans, you know, rally, I mean, they'll buy books. That's great. But like coming out mass support like you guys have. Yeah, you can't replicate magic, and I'm so thankful to these to these Baylor fans that are listening. I, I can't thank you guys enough. Well, and there's our we have fan bases. I told you this. This YouTube station, the 365 Sports, has really just been unbelievable since we opened up the new show April 2020. Texas Tech fans came on the chat room that's going on on the side, which is like a, its own no its own little show mentioning uh-huh. your impact as well. So. 
Yeah. Oh, I love Texas Tech. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Can I say this really quickly? I sure. can't I can't go without telling you Burkedrick Vaughn. When I was there, we stayed in contact over the years. V, as I call him, V now serves without changing the narrative. I'm helping him and training him to be a speaker. And his message is all about financial literacy and credit and um, not showing up in slides with your pants down around your ankles and networking while you're in college and taking advantage of meeting you, of meeting the AD, of meeting the booster, right? And saying, hey, my name is Rick Hedrick. Here's who I am. Here's what I want to do. Can I call you? Can I come intern with you? Can I come shadow you? And so he's going in there, to the, and we're going to send him into these you know, high schools and colleges and saying, I was just exactly where you are. And let me tell you some things that maybe your coaches are telling you, but I'm going to tell you from a former athlete, a very recent former athlete, and here's the things I know that help in building my brand and what I'm doing, and here's how I've been successful. And it, 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 it's powerful coming from a woman, you know, especially we talk about dating and love and those things. But, you know, when you have an athlete speaking to an athlete, like a former athlete speaking to a current athlete, woo, those boys sit up and take notes. Yeah, and especially the, so I, the I age, yeah, and the ages aren't that far off either. So for Kedrick can kind <laughs> no. of speak that language, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I couldn't I couldn't uh, I couldn't go without, you know, tooting his horn. He's very um, we're very close. He's you know, he's one of my dearest friends and and I just think the world of him and all these former you know, Baylor players that have come out of the woodworks just um, you know, supporting me always but certainly over the past few weeks i um you know i'm forever grateful man it's the good stuff of life we're going to put it back in the forums our segment from here and we'll also put it up on the youtube channel for people to to do and, and it'll also be up on twitter and i'll make sure that we tag you rachel and proud of what you're doing proud of, uh, proud of the book proud of the reason behind it as well but also not just your story but also sharing with those who do need to be told that they have a value in this life. And we appreciate your time so much. Have a great weekend, okay? All right, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's Rachel Barbo. The book is Relentless Joy. It's released on June 20th. We put the link up. You can go to rachelbarbo.com. It's B-A-R-I-B-E-A-U.com. Uh, and, uh, and, boy, I tell you what, when she came to Baylor, nobody – I mean, it's like, oh, my God, who's going to tell us now how bad we are or what kind of pieces of crap we are because everybody else is. And she started talking, and others, the players, started looking around at each other. I saw the description of, like, wait a minute. She's here to really try to maybe hear us, and we learn from her. When we come back, Paul Bloss is at the U.S. Open at L.A. Country Club. We'll have an update on that. Also, uh, we'll hear from the San Diego Union Tribune. Uh, Mark Ziegler, who covers the Aztecs, will join us at the bottom of the hour. And this is 365 Sports. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. It's pleasant. It's different. 
than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy, and you know, I bring my kids, and my kids love being here too. They really love the treasure box. <laughs> Staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home, it's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. <laughs> I've recommended people to actually come here and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more, stonewood-dental.com. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for, try the sikkim sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits. Compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC see an equal housing lender. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Brad Wilson. Investing his time and experience back to you and your money during today's changing times. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's David Smoke and Craig Smoke. Craig Smoke, David Smoke, 365 Sports, Grant Bronstein. Here today, Missouri student. Jack McKenzie here today running the mothership. He's running basically the entire business by himself right now. Garrett is off until Wednesday of next week. Paul's out the rest of this week, today, and next week. Uh, And then uh, we'll have some other on and off times. Craig, 
I'll have a few more little three- or four-day weekends, and then we have Big 12 Media Days. July the 11th will be locked and loaded in Arlington for that. We're now joined by Paul Bloss. Let me give you just a quick update from L.A. North or L.A. Country Club. Ricky Fowler, two under today, up ten under par. Leads by one. Wyndham Clark, done nine under. McElroy, done at eight under. Shopley is on the course even for the day. He's at eight under par. And Harris English at seven under. Dustin Johnson, six under par. Both of them are done for the day. Paul, who has been with us, was at the Open Championship and gave us a feed, some feedback from overseas now, is in L.A., listens and watches what we do. Paul, thanks for your time. What What's the weather like today? I heard it was kind of like overcast and somewhat misty or moist that maybe made conditions too easy yesterday. What's it like today? Well, this morning it was the same way, David. Uh, it was uh, the same weather. About an hour ago, I would say, it, uh, finally it burned off. It's uh, beautiful blue skies, but there's uh, building up thunderstorms, and they expect uh, thunderstorms here by 5 p.m., and the wind kicked up. So there was very little wind, if no wind, all morning to about 2 o'clock. And the wind now is anywhere from 10 to 15 miles per hour and gusting sometimes to 20 right now. Is uh, you've been? It's a little bit different than the morning conditions. And the scores, uh, you know, they didn't tear up the course. No. I mean, I, I did listen to Art Strickland with you yesterday, and I loved his comment. Like, uh, if you like the Quad City Open, you might like the U.S. Open. But they did uh, cut, they did open the greens up and stuff. They double cut the greens last night, and then they pressed them. And there's no doubt that the pin placement, I think they improved a little bit more than they would have even for a regular Friday. They seemed to be a lot tougher. You didn't have a lot of people. You had some scores that, you know, were pretty good. You had uh, Minwoo Lee that shot a five under, I think, best so far for the day. And then you had Harris English and you had McElroy. But you didn't have a whole bunch of people just scorching the course like it was earlier, you know, last year or last day. And so, I mean, it's been a pretty good tournament. I mean, I think that the uh, – personally, I would love to see it a little bit tighter. I'd love to see the scores, you know – not used to hearing that the cut line is going to be two under. Usually you think that might be close to the lead. So it's a little bit different than a regular U.S. Open. Yeah, Um, Paul, the the cut line right now might even be two over because some of the scores have been, you know, they had not been like anything awful. But, yeah, it's not like they're going to go shoot another 62 today like Fowler did. He's on the course. You've been to an Open championship. You follow major events. You have been to some great courses this one here, um, it, it seems like it has, at times, a Lynx course look in it, but how would you describe it? Well, I think that's a good good thing, but a Lynx course generally, especially for a championship, don't have the wide fairways. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the difference here. You have a few of the holes where we spend a lot of time today at the eighth hole, which is the par five, and your first shot has a real wide open fairway, but then it does narrow and it's about the standard size. And, you know, they were not burning up that hole today. I mean, I think we saw – we were there for about an hour and a half. We only saw one eagle there and very few birdies. And – but the, the fairways are way too wide. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, you're, you're dealing with guys that are the best in the world, and, you know, you're not seeing a ton of shots going off into the rough. I mean, the rough is thick. I mean, if you get in the rough, it's like you're dead. But, 
you know, it's just different. I mean, you had, you've had people had difficulty. I mean, you had Jordan that's probably not making the cut. You had Phil that's not going to make the cut, but you have a lot of other people that are just playing, you know, pretty decently. And I don't think they really think it's that hard. I saw where Kepka played well enough today to be able to get under the cut line. Yeah, Mickelson's at plus three. If the cut line stays at plus two, um, that will be interesting. Yeah, Spieth is also there. And usually at an open, the cut line will go higher, right, as the day goes by in round two? Right. I, I think what British Open last year for round two, I think it was the cut line came in at four or five over par, <laughs> you know, and I think there was only like three or four people at that point that were under, uh, you know, had a, a under par round. I mean, so this is quite different. I mean, I've I've never seen one quite like this that's uh, so far under par. I mean, Ricky Fowler's having a fantastic tournament. I mean, he's continuing on this morning. I know he's had one birdie this afternoon, I guess, but he started out the first three holes, uh, birdie, birdie, birdie. Yeah. So, yeah. but. You know, the one thing I was a little bit surprised about is you don't hear anything about the live golf situation in the merger. I mean, when I was at the Open, all anybody talked about outside tournament and even inside the rounds were what was going to happen because of live. Now, you don't hear anything about it. The only comments you do hear is that, you know, they don't like the idea of the merger. Uh, they don't really know what the merger means and things like that. But, you know, you don't hear too much about it, whereas in the uh, the Open, that was the whole talk. And it's kind of like non-existent here. And yeah. you don't think that – I don't think that's a major story right now. I wonder – and, Paul, we got to let you go so you can go enjoy the damn thing. But I also wonder if with Kepka winning the PGA, which was obviously a huge moment for Kepka, people wanted also, and they should have in, in ways about live – uh, and you just wonder if enough has been played. You had majors now for a year and a half. Uh, Kepka winning. Then the story. It's two weeks old. And based on, I was listening to an interview earlier today. Oh, my Lord. With uh, one of the, I forgot his name. But uh, I was listening to it earlier this morning. And it was like, it's just kind of, okay, it's a major. That's the most important thing. Whatever happens after this with all the legal issues with live or the merger or whatever you want to call it, the combination with the PGA Tour, that remains to be. Jimmy Roberts was the one that said he hasn't heard much talk about it as well. Go play. Uh, go win a major. Go compete in a major. And then set you up to play in more majors, especially if you're on the live where you're not getting world ranking points, at least for the rest of the year. Right. And I, the one thing that is interesting, though, I think the fan favorite here, is Roy McIlroy. I mean, when Roy comes up to any group, you're, you're hearing people yell out, thank you, Roy. Thank you for everything you've done. And, you know, the, when he comes up to a green, you know, you'll start to hear, I, we heard it at the eighth green where it was Roy, Roy, Roy. I mean, so he's really, I think, taking on a different space. And I think the people appreciated what he did, no matter how this whole thing shakes out. And I think that he's really probably gained a lot from it in terms of, I mean, he was always popular, but, you know, he's taking on the status of, you know, kind of how people would go all, all excited with Phil before the, uh, the meltdown. So that's something that I think is a little bit interesting too. Yeah, But he, it's going to be interesting. I hope they don't do another one where they have wide open fairways for U.S. Open. No, I think that's probably one of the things they regretted. They also thought wider fairways because they had so many undulations where the ball could be in the middle of the fairway, end up in the rough. They were probably worried about it being too dry and that could get to be 
a little bit much. Ball, uh, Paul, enjoy it. Always appreciate your contributions. You follow us. You support us. You're loyal to us. And we appreciate your time and enjoy the rest of the weekend. Well, you know, we love listening to you all. Yes, Take sir. care and have fun. Yes, sir. That's Paul, Paul Bloss. He's a Dallas Baptist graduate. His wife's a Baylor graduate, but he loves uh, to follow Baylor and, and also has been a big-time supporter of this show. Met us up in Fort Worth when we did the shows uh, before the NCAA first and second-round games uh, in uh, up in Fort Worth. All right, when we come back, we had the story earlier today about San Diego State writing a letter or at least sending a letter to the Mountain West Conference and the way it was worded, uh, the communication of it seemed to be uh, edgy. Like, hey, we're leaving, but we also need a favor or two from you. The, the, the June 30th deadline, if they leave or can notify the Mountain West before June 30th, their buyout or their fee or exit or penalty is uh, half of what it will be after June 30th. June 30th is two weeks from today, by the way. Uh, and and then, but we'd like to have a little bit extra time, but still not have to pay the full penalty of after June 30th. So what has all this meant in San Diego, uh, San Diego State? Mark Ziegler covers the Aztecs. He's next from the San Diego Union-Tribune, and this is 365 Sports. Richard Carr's 24th anniversary sales event continues on now with big savings on pre-owned cars and trucks and special savings on GMC Sierra and Buick SUVs. If you want a luxury SUV without the luxury price tag, well, experience the smooth and quiet ride of the 2023 Encore, Envision, or Enclave from the Buick lineup. Right now, qualified buyers can get low financing and also save $2,500 on Buick Enclave premiums, $3,500 on Buick Enclave Avenirs. They've also got dozens of Sierra trucks on the lot brand new. Right now, qualified buyers can save $3,000 on 23 GR. GMC, Sierra, SLT, or SLE 1500s. Also get 2.9% financing on new 2023 GMC Sierra trucks. A lot of details, a lot of numbers, a lot of percentages. You can contact the good folks over at Richard Carr to get more information on these exact deals. But just a a little bit of their offerings. And that's just with the new vehicles. They've also got a lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks as well. Many of them under $20,000. They're affordable. They're thoroughly inspected. They're ready to finance. And they're ready to drive off the lot for almost any credit rating. Quality vehicles ready to drive today under 20k and if you're just looking to keep the car that you're already in operating at its full capacity then uh but you need to get some things done an oil change perhaps get your tires fixed get a little bit of uh, damage from a, a car wreck for example like i i had i went over there they fixed my car up customer service was great car looks fantastic whatever it is though you're looking for to, to make sure your vehicle stays in tip-top shape their award-winning customer service department is standing by you can contact them over the phone in person or on the website as well and uh, they will make sure that you can drive that vehicle of yours a little while longer so check out the business that's been in business for 24 years in central texas and that has built a reputation throughout that time as the people you can count on for your automotive needs run by proud central texans log on to richardcar.com today Call now or go see them now. Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. 
pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late-night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, Samantha Duvall is in charge of marketing and also distribution. Memorial Day, right around the corner, 4th of July. What are some of the best opportunities for people if they want to order online and maybe get a bundle when they have those holidays in front of them? TexasBeefHouse.com. You can order. We've got plenty of family bundles. Probably our most bestseller is our sampler pack. That gives you a variety of our jalapeno and cheese patties, our regular patties, ground beef, our garlic links, summer sausage. Right now, all of our family bundles are on sale. It's the best time to buy it. We also, you can buy steaks individually. All of our steaks come to a package. We ship Monday through Wednesday. So make sure you get your orders in early. That way you can get them almost the next day. The owner, Aaron Duvall, his daughter-in-law, Samantha Duvall, head of marketing and distribution, unleashed the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI.com. How did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. It's Jeep season at Allen Samuels in Waco, and the deals are hot. Get a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Laredo with $5,500 in total values or a 2023 Jeep Gladiator Sport with total values up to $6,000. This is 365 Sports. Are you a Sikkim 365 super fan? Then try out our premium subscriptions at Sikkim365.com. 
Here we go, 365 Sports. We'll take you up uh, over the next few minutes up near the top of the 6 o'clock hour. Don't forget tonight at 10.30, 365 Sports tonight. We'll be on the CW as it is every night at 10.30 for an hour of the best segments and or discussions we have. We're now joined Mark Ziegler, San Diego Union Tribune, covers San Diego, San Diego State, Aztecs, basketball, and more. And he joins us on 365 Sports. Mark, thanks for your time. We, I think, had a conversation about four hours ago or so uh, on the story that Pete Thamel had and many others on San Diego State and the Mountain West. Have, has anything changed since you and I spoke about maybe the, commun- the communication wasn't very good? Yeah, a few things have changed. It's, it's, I don't want to say it's a nothing story, but it's, it's uh, not really what it seems on the surface. So what happened is San Diego State sent a letter to the Mountain West, and my understanding is that the intention was, look, we've got a one year out deadline to, to exit the conference. So if they want to leave for 24, 25 and join the PAC 12 or big 12, uh, you have to give a year's notice and the year's notice deadline is June 30th. And if you uh, do it after June 30th, you can still leave, but the, the exit fee doubles to 34 million, which is a prohibitive amount for a school like San Diego state. So they send a letter and say, yeah, we we're, we're, you know, our intention is to leave, but we just want to investigate, options and maybe get an extension to this deadline or a payment plan or maybe reducing the right, you know, the, the exit fee if we leave after the deadline. And that was interpreted by the league as, Hey, you're out. Okay. And they sent a letter back saying, no, you know, we, we accept the, the letter and you're out and we're to initiate separation procedures. And they wrote a letter back saying, no, 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 we're not out. We're just <laughs> asking these questions so that if we do get an invitation, we'll be more informed and we don't have to do it in the 11th hour. And I, I just don't know if it was really well executed on San Diego state's part. Um, but that's kind of where it, it lies right now. They are, they're not leaving the conference right now. They have nowhere to go. So I'm not sure why they would leave. Mark, you just kind of said it there. They have nowhere to go to your best knowledge. Uh, what is the situation now as far as them eyeing a, a potential spot in the Pac-12 or vice versa? I know there doesn't seem to be, you know, really any realistic smoke with the, the Big 12, but, I mean, the Pac-12 seems like it – it almost seems like it would be a layup, but what's the hold up there as far as your understanding goes, and, and why wouldn't they, instead of just floating the idea today, be saying, hey, we are planning on leaving? You know, it's, I think it's a timing thing. I mean, all these things have to – there's a sequence of events that has to happen, and the first one is – the PAC 12 has to get a new media rights deal. And then they get a grant of rights signed by everybody in the league. And then they decide that they want to expand. Well, none of those things have happened. I mean, they, they, they've had since, you know, almost it's going on a year now. Uh, we're almost at the year anniversary when, when um, USC and UCLA, the news first broke that they were going to leave. And the PAC 12 can't get a, a TV deal done. Um, and no one's going to sign a grant of rights and say, we're staying in your league without a TV deal. And, uh, and I think the fear is, you know, they could technically uh, extend an invitation to San Diego state, but are you accepting that if, <laughs> if you don't know who's going to be in your league, mm-hmm. if those are going to even be a league, because if Colorado and Arizona have, have many reported, you know, leave for the big 12, uh, then maybe an Arizona state in Utah goes, we got to get out of here because this is falling apart quickly and they leave. And then Oregon and Washington just go to the, you know, the big 10 and say, we're at your mercy. We'll, we'll take whatever deal you give us. We'll come in for a quarter share. We don't care. We got to get out. And all of a sudden, you're left with Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and, and and Washington State. I mean, that's no league to go to. So I think that's the 
that's the problem. They got to wait for all these things to happen, then get an invitation and then go. And it's not going to happen by June 30th. I don't think. Mark, how much of this is um, on the radar in San Diego? It's on the radar. People talk about it all the time. I mean, I understand the sports market here. It's, it's the most unique sports town. I've lived here 30 years. It's the most unique sports town in America uh, in the sense that we're a big city, um, but we haven't won anything. And uh, unless you count indoor soccer, we won a lot of those. But, <laughs> but, you know, the Padres have never won. The Chargers never won when they were here. The Rockets were here and never won. I just put a stat up. Um, in uh, Vegas, you know, just won a title uh, with, with the Golden Knights, right? So they've had nine total years of, of big four professional league teams between three of the Raiders and six of the Golden Knights. So in nine years, they have one title. San Diego has had 117 total years and zero titles. And so huge inferiority complex here. And a lot of the, the buzz around this move to a power conference is just feeding off that inferiority complex and wanting to be somebody and wanting to have that recognition that, look, we're a big city and we're into our sports and we have a big time college team here and we want to be recognized and we don't want to be in the Mountain West, which we kind of, kind of consider the backwater of college sports. And it's not really the backwater, but they kind of look at it that way. And so I think that's what a lot of this is. And that's why people to answer your question. Yeah, it's a big deal here. And they just want to be somewhere. And I just, you know, it, the waiting is killing them. From your vantage point, being able to look at it from an unbiased point of view, just hearing you kind of describe the situation there, do you feel like it's a bit of a sleeping giant? Uh, do you feel like there is a uh, is um, a lot of potential there if they were to make this step up? Does this radically change things in your mind for San Diego State and potentially the Pac-12? It could. I mean, the, inf- the infusion of, of money is the one thing they haven't had in the program, and they, and, and they really they've done an incredible job with what they have. But you've got to understand – the way an athletic department is is constructed in uh, a group of five or mid-major conference versus in a power conference are completely different. So San Diego State relies on student fees, um, what they call institutional um, dollars, which is basically our tax dollars coming straight from the state, uh, and donations. And that's like 70, 73% of their budget. In uh, a power conference school, most of them, don't rely on any student fees. I mean, San Diego State, they're steep. They're in the hundreds and hundreds of dollars students pay for intercollegiate athletics. Uh, and they don't get very much institutional support. In some cases, they just rely on their television contract. So there's a, you know, when you ask about is there, is there a sleeping giant? Yeah, it's a big city. They have a nice new football stadium. The basketball program obviously is, uh, as they proved this year, has, and, and, and people have known here for the last 10 years, has been rolling and is as good as any power conference program in the country. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to get a lot more dollars to make that transition to what a power conference athletic department looks like. And they're going to have to wean themselves off those student fees. I'm not sure they're going to be able to do that. Uh, and so there's going to be some growing pains if they do get into a power conference. And the other problem is that even though it's a big city, they don't have any NIL. Uh, and the basketball team already is struggling, even though they just played the national championship game. They're struggling to get players. The football team's really struggling, and we'll see what happens this year with this season. But that's something that's going to have to change. It's the new climate of, uh, of college sports, and that's something that they have to catch up on as well. You know, I, it's obvious that if, in fact, it was to work out, if the Pac-12 could also figure out their future, that that's where San Diego State, if they could go somewhere, that would be the right choice and would be the choice. 
But if, in fact, there is still yeah, more fly in the ointment, do you see any interest at all in San Diego State wanting to come east if, in fact, the Big 12 was to ever increase a little bit more? Who knows what the future is with that? Well, you know, uh, eight, ten years ago, they were going to leave the Mountain West to go to the Big East uh, in football <laughs> and play easy. basically in East Coast League. <laughs> Uh, and so the answer to your question is yes. If we, they'll follow the money. They need money. I mean, it, it, the, the current model really isn't sustainable. It's that many student fees, that much institutional support, that many donations. I mean, they need, uh, they're growing at such a rate, they need more television dollars. And the Mountain West went from $1.5 million a year to about $5.5 to $6 million a year per school. So it's improved, but it's still not what they, they feel like they need. And so, uh, they'll go wherever they can get the money. And I, obviously the Big 12 is not an ideal fit from a logistical, even a, a, a sort of philosophical, and, and from what they view as an academic um, standpoint, uh, San Diego State is, is a growing institution. Uh, they get like 100,000 applicants uh, applications a year. They're trying to get AAU status academically and trying to become an R1 research institution. They've just expanded their campus as part of the project to build a new football stadium into this Mission Valley property that's only three stops on a trolley line from their main camps, which is, which is really uh, landlocked. It, they can't go anywhere, and they have 35,000 students up there. They're trying to expand to 50 and make it the marquee California State University, sort of the flagship school. And so, uh, you know, I don't know that the Big 12 fits all that. Um, and then just logistically, it's a nightmare. I mean, oh, you yeah. just send softball teams to Morgantown, West Virginia, come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, I think it's I think they're using the, the, the Big 12 more as leverage, and I think the Big 12 is using them as leverage to try to get Pac-12 teams to, to jump. But I think that the natural fit is the, is the Pac-12. But again, a lot of dominoes have to fall before that happens. And, it, and, and with this, this, you know, this deadline looming in two weeks, I, I don't see how all that comes together in such a short period of time. So, Mark, as you said kind of at the beginning, in terms of just this actually changing things, this isn't a major story, but it could potentially, obviously, change uh, as we move forward. So, would you describe the, I guess, near future as a holding pattern for the Aztecs? Is there an invite that they're just waiting to accept? Like, how do you kind of view just the current position? Is it all just a waiting game surrounding this TV deal, or is there maybe some some more parts to this? Yeah, no, that's all pretty much it is, and and, and they're unfortunately in the situation where they're just sitting on the sideline. I mean, I described it as them just standing on the sideline waving their pennant. And they, they're not in control of this narrative at all. Uh, it's the Pac-12, it's the TV networks, um, and it's the other Pac-12 schools uh, and, and, and making a decision on what they want to do. Uh, they're they're going to go where the wind blows them, and, and uh, they just have to wait for the wind to pick up. I mean, right now, um, there, there's nothing happening. I asked their athletic director who, who did not want to talk about the letters, the existence of the letters, the content of the letters and all that. But I asked him, I said, are you any closer today, uh, than you were, you know, a week ago to, um, being in a power conference? And he said, no, I can't say that. So nothing's really changed. Um, they're just waiting for this stuff to happen. And, and, um, you know, but they're going to have a, it's going to be an anxious two weeks because what happens if you get to June 30th and they've already telegraphed this. I wrote a story last week saying this 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 uh, deadline's coming and the and the president of the university admitting it's going to be really tight uh what do you do if you're it's 9 p.m on june 30th uh i mean do you do you just jump and say we're, we're leaving and hope that you get an invitation and maybe you don't and now you're screwed or 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 do you wait and 
try to find some donor to give you the, the extra 17 million in the, in the doubled expansion fee. I, you know, that's a tough question to answer. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating stuff. And, um, I, I guess is everything cool now between them and the mountain West? Is there now some things to figure out in that regard? How do you think that they play this after just kind of obviously the, uh, the, uh, I guess, miscommunication or whatever you would describe it as, are, are they on good footing or how do they work together moving forward? Well, that's, that's a, you bring up a really good point because as, as far as I know, the Mountain West wrote back and said, okay, you're out. We accept <laughs> it. And, uh, and the and university said, no, 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 we're not out. We're just asking to answer these questions. <laughs> so the Mountain West board minus the San Diego State president is going to have to meet, and I understand that they will, and kind of sort this out. But, uh, you know, I don't think they can play hardball and say, okay, you're definitely out and push them out and, and demand an exit fee. I mean, that might go to the lawyers, but uh, I, I don't think they're going to budge much. And I don't know why they should. The problem that they have is this is, is if San Diego state leaves, that's their marquee program, Fox and CBS, which have the rights to Mount West television, they have in their contract, the ability, they can't just end the contract, but they have the ability to renegotiate the fee and they're going to want a lot less. Right, because you just lost a team that you know that just played the national championship game in basketball and has been pretty good in football, uh, and is in, the, in your biggest market, and so that's going to hurt the rest of the conference. And they're looking at it like, going, man, we're in a bad climate for negotiating media rights. We could take a big hit in our contract. We better get all the money we can now to help us make to become whole. And so I don't, I don't see them really, you know, showing any leniency towards any state either with an extension. Or, or with uh, reduced fees. I just think they're going to take a hard line and say, you leave, you leave, you don't, you don't. Well, somebody in the chat room said this, and this is not a, it's, it, it, it's sarcastic, but it's like you have a girlfriend, but you want to date another girl, but you're asking your current girlfriend, is it okay, and I'll be back. I may not. I may not, may I may not, not leave you. I yeah. just haven't decided. But it's okay if I take yeah. her on a date, that kind of thing. Well, that's kind of what's going on right now. And again, I, I say it wasn't really well executed. I think I said he's state's partner. Or maybe, maybe the Mountain West read. I have not seen the letters, and nobody has other than, than those presidents. But you know, I'd like to see the letters um, to, to see what the actual language was. But you know, one person told me who has seen the letters said you could read it both ways. Uh, in all fairness, sure. And and so this is, you know, if you're the Mountain West, you're expecting them to leave, and you get this letter, and you're like, okay, they're leaving, and they want to negotiate a, a you know, a, a, an extension. But you know, it's it, and if you're San Diego State, why would you leave now when you you can wait two weeks? So it's a it's a weird situation they were in, and you know, the thing leaked out. Um, from one of the presidents, I believe, uh, in another school, and here we are. Last thing, and thanks again for your time. I know it's been a busy afternoon. Uh, so the Mountain West, San Diego State's a part of it. We know who's a part of it. Let's say, and you know the conference well, that San Diego State does leave. Is there anybody that that conference has ever, like, looked at in general, in addition, or with other programs that they would be interested in? They have, and they looked a few years ago uh, during the latest, you know, the, the previous round of, of conflict expansion. They looked, uh, and they had a couple schools that were interested, um, and they ranged. And a lot of them were, uh, I mean, New Mexico State, I think, is one of them that always has wanted to get in. But after what happened with the basketball program, I, I think they're probably going to be off the table. Um, they've looked in Texas. Uh, I think they've been interested in maybe trying to get in the Texas market. Um, 
with, you know, uh, UT San Antonio type mm-hmm. situation. Um, and then, and then they've also, uh, looked into conference USA and seen if, you know, whether it's a Memphis or, or whoever, somewhere in, in that realm and expanding that way. But I'm not sure they do anything if they just lost San Diego State because remember they have they have uh, uh, 11 members in basketball and 12 in football because Hawaii plays football but not basketball. They play in the Big West and their other sports. Uh, if they went down to 10 and 11, you know the reason they had to get 12 before was to have a conference championship. That was the NCAA rule. That rule has since been rescinded. They don't need 12. So there's no real reason to add anybody unless they add TV value. And I don't see anybody, maybe someone in Texas, adding that value. So I wouldn't, I would be surprised to say if they, um, if they added anybody now, if they lost standing state and say UNLV and a Boise, mm-hmm. you know, say the amount the, the PAC 12 needed two or three teams, then yes. Then I, then I think they got to go raid somebody. I'm not sure who, but they needed to grow a little bit, but I think right now they just stand pat. And it's so interesting because UTSA is joining the American conference this year as are you know, again, the American, the conference USA, the it's a constant, like, it's like a washing machine with, with just clothes or dryer with clothes flying left yeah. and right. Hey, it's hard to keep track. Yeah, Mark, great stuff, man. We really appreciate it. Loved it when we had you on during the basketball run that they made, which was dramatic and amazing. Thanks for your time, and uh, maybe something by June 30th or yet just another couple of weeks go by and nothing. We'll see. Thank you. All right, I'll talk to you guys. That's Mark Ziegler covers San Diego State. Great, great segment, great insight from him yeah uh really good stuff really informative uh i like the way that he he broke it all down and uh yeah uh you know hopefully that is something that uh, some other people got uh the same level of enjoyment and, and knowledge out of as well but yeah nothing impending uh but a mess to not clean up for you know in some ways san diego state and i guess to a lesser extent the Pac-12 I mean their situation kind of remains unchanged it's just a little cloudier now because there is a deadline approaching for a potential school that seems to be at the very top of their wish list Mm -hmm. so uh that some things you know I wrote in an article the other day that there's no official timeline uh on the Big 12's uh side of things because they know this is a, a bit of a waiting game but they don't really need to set a timeline because for one that would be stupid to say like hey you have to tell it. I mean, you're not really in a position to do that, for one, even if you are the hunter rather than the hunted. Uh, but you don't need to because it's naturally going to happen anyways. For example, there's a deadline in two weeks that has yeah, a lot of money attached to it. might just occur. Yeah, you just wait long enough, and, and inevitably something's going to have to be decided on. Same thing with that TV deal. Like, you could say there's no, there's no deadline. Well, there is for next year to air the dadgum games, right? So, yeah, um, I think we're approaching that point in so many ways. I don't buy into, you know, the San Diego State Big 12 thing. I just, I feel like, like he said, logistically, there's just so many hurdles. And that would be, if it's not your, your last resort, sure. But I don't think that that in any way is, is their main goal, nor is it necessarily the Big 12's main goal. Uh, but it's it's interesting to kind of see that, you know, there's not a lot of clarity on what's going on right now. Even the people involved aren't really sure what's going on. And uh, that letter did not do as intended today, that's for no. sure. Or, well... The letter probably was fine, but then somebody decided to go and leak it and turn it into something else entirely. No, so. yeah, it, it, and it made San Diego State look a little silly. Yes. And, and they've recovered, and they'll be fine, but it it also made the Mountain West look like, listen, 
don't crap on our front door and then ask for it to come back in and, and you have an extra bedroom. Which is why uh, you leak it and yeah. you, you put you go yourself on the offensive and you look you know strong and I think that the Mountain West does now like anything else they can negotiate that down if it comes to that but you know San Diego State's got to be able to make that move first and based on that conversation based on every indication there's not a spot right now at least officially officially for them to go to so <clears throat> that continues on as well all right uh, oral roberts beat tcu six to five we're going to wrap up the show waiting to talk about that for like an hour i understand I know, that I guess, but well, that was well, a huge win man it was and a dramatic win. i think it was the first time in forever that a team is three down three runs down uh entering the ninth inning in the college world series had come back to win uh, Chris, $5 Super Chat. Thank you to Chris. Smokey and Craig, do you think the Big 12 would be proactive or should be proactive in going after Oregon, Washington, Utah, Stanford? That would, wouldn't that kill the Pac-12? You, you can't proactively go after it. You can, but why chase something that may not want to be chased? And that's the thing about what Oregon and Washington, I would think, Utah, you know, you hear about the four corners, nothing really, no smoke lately about them. Most of it's in Boulder and a little bit of it coming out of Tucson. And Stanford, I don't think, would have any interest whatsoever in being a part of the Big 12. Not saying that the other schools you mentioned would either. Yeah, I, uh, Chris, first of all, thank you for watching, listening. Uh, thanks for the contribution as well. Uh, I think that they probably did their due diligence on Oregon and Washington, uh, in particular those two brands. and. Um, either didn't um, hear what they needed to hear to continue that pursuit or just knew pretty much it was a futile uh, pursuit. Don't know, but there's been absolutely nothing uh, smoke-wise coming from them, and there never really has been. I mean, there never has been, quite frankly. That's always just kind of – it's been known that that's just sort of not on the table, and I think it would take something drastic, like a massive – you know, massively lower number than expected for the Pac-12 TV deal for them to probably consider that. I think they're still hoping that they can just get something to tide them over for the next few years, like five years, and then when everything, people seem to feel like, you know, bubbles back up across the rest of the country that hasn't been involved here of late. For example, like the ACC maybe finally breaks apart or the Big Ten's finally opening its doors again. Um, you know, I think they're kind of banking on that far more than wanting to leave their cozy little nest right now for a little bit more money. Um, what looks like it would probably just be a little bit more money. So they've just they've never really been in play. I'm, I'm imagining, though, that the I know the Big 12 has, has dug into that. You, you'd be stupid not to have done that from the very beginning. So I just don't think there's really anything there. Stanford, I don't think that there's any chance whatsoever, and, and that's all academics uh, for one, but a variety of other things probably as well. Utah – doesn't seem to have no. any interest. I mean, that's their fan base, though. Uh, but they seem pretty content in the pack. It took them a long time to get there. So they're not really looking to get out of it already. So, yeah, you're looking at uh, basically Colorado and Arizona as those who have sort of reciprocated the interest. And, and that's why they're the ones that everybody circles back around to. Those others just not not really realistic at the moment. I need to tell uh, people who are listening to our interview with Paul Bloss. I said he was a, what, a Dallas Baptist graduate. And his text message, uh, his phone got was blown up. He's a UT Dallas graduate. Oh, wow. I told Paul, I went to JUCO first, all right? I, I asked my excuse, and I'm attention deficit, even though I read your text earlier of where you went to school. Is that like saying somebody went to A&M and they really went to Texas? Yeah. Like, is that kind it, of it bad may, blood? It, it might be some bad blood there. Jim Williams sent me this note earlier today. We're going to wrap everything up. 
Diamond Sports, remember they defaulted on their payment with San Diego and Major League Baseball uh, it took over the games. They paid the Rangers. Uh, so they, 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 meet, they met the deadline, Diamond Sports, to keep the Rangers on cable or local TV or with Valley Sports. Uh, they're next in line, Cleveland, Minnesota, Cincinnati, and Arizona of whether or not Diamond Sports make those payments. But that's good news for the Rangers. I watch them a lot. I watched them now more already this year in the first two and a half months of the season, three months of the season, than I have maybe in the last five years. Well, it's amazing what a competitive product does. Uh, winning matters. Winning is, is the, the biggest thing for a lot of things, and uh, they've been pretty good. Angel series was a bit rough, but, uh, yeah, they're still in first, although holding on with the Astros obviously coming up the rear. Um, and that'll be something to, you know, to have track for like another three months. It's so such a long season that you can't really celebrate being in first, but it has been fun to kind of celebrate that a little bit They're, early on because it's been so long since they had a team like this. So Yeah, the Memorial Day weekend is a, a, a one of the dates, and then it's like post-All-Star game is one of the dates, and then, of yeah, course, the trade deadline. We're not, no, even, the we're not even close yet. to that. All right, uh, Paxton, what am I cooking tonight? I bought some Brazilian... Uh, shish kebab steak that at H-E-B, I'm going to put that on the grill tonight. And I'm also making some Cajun Italian shrimp casserole for this weekend that I'm going to enjoy. So, Paxton, we're glad you're even a part of it today after what you went through and those in Perryton, Texas, Perryton, Texas last night with the disastrous weather, the awful story there. Uh, all right, that's it. Uh, Jack, I need to mention Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat. Ram season continues. Best selection of new inventory you're going to find in the area. Save big on the Ram trucks. The 10% off MSRP on the new 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star Crew Cab. That's right. Or get 2.9% financing for 72 months. The choice is uh, yours. And $500 additional bonus cash if you're a first responder. And one of the deals with Dodge, the Dodge 2023 Challenger or Dodge Charger SXT, GT, or RT, values up to $2,000, $500 extra for first responders. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, Loop 340, east of 84 in Waco, general manager, the great Ted Teague. Graham, thank you. Jack, thank you. I, I put Jack through the ringer today with changes and times and guests and schedules, but it was amazing. I love the graphics, by the way, on the decade and all of that. Craig Smoke, thank you very much. Had a great week. We're not done. We have the USF AD on Monday. I think Jared Stansberry on Iowa State Monday, and I haven't even started to fill in the other gaps, but we'll have them for you in a lot about college athletics and college football. Thanks to all of you who watched, those who participated, those who have text messages. Tonight, 1030, uh, 365 Sports Tonight on the CW. Happy Father's Day weekend and good night. Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, ask your doctor.